Episode 196. Welcome to the COVID house. Not what I'm looking to hear when I walk in this cockamamie place. No, I don't want to hear that. The COVID house? We have been struck. Just when you let your guard down, we have been struck. That's right. It does kind of feel like we've let our guard down. I I wore a mask in this house for I don't know how long. Yeah. And then I quit like a few weeks ago. Bad time to quit. Jeez Louise. I felt stupid wearing a mask, actually. I was like, they probably think I'm a a maniac. 16-year-old Brett has come down Uh, with COVID. Yeah. Which has changed all. We had all these plans to travel. Oh. To go see my in-laws, who are not young. Oh, right. And have some health conditions. Yeah, sure. You can't do that. So now you can't do that. We've got to change the flights. Oh. We got to go later. Some of us can't go at all. He's missing baseball games. Right. He's in his been He's been in his room for four days. So he's been in his room for the four nice days out of the year. The most beautiful <laughs> days of the year. God. Brett's been putting in his room. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> oh, that's tough. Uh. Now, is this his first time? So he... That we know of, yes. Yeah, right. So he pretty much got out unscathed when it was yeah, ravaging he's got, everyone. He's got very minor symptoms, and we're trying yeah. to figure out, all right, when do we let him go out? Right. How does that work? What does the CDC do you know? say now? I, I don't know. it was like three days of quarantining. and Three days of quarantining? I mean, you don't quote me, but I remember reading it that they moved it mm-hmm. down to like three. He wants out. Well, I'm shot. sure he does. He yeah. wants out. Who wouldn't? He's ready to He's ready to get out of there. Yeah, he's it's been 90 in there degrees. Thursday, I think. Yeah. Oh, Thursday, geez. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, yeah. Yeah. Rough. Stump the band for episode 196. You ready to start? I've been studying. Let's go. No, How many players in Major League Baseball history <laughs> have had both a 13 strikeout game on the mound and an 8 RBI game at the plate <laughs> in their careers? I'm guessing not many. Uh, Babe, that would be right. Is Babe Ruth one of them? When he... You would think that Babe Ruth did it. He never did. He never had a 13 strikeout game? He may have had a 13 strike. Well, I'm sure he had an 8 RBI Same. game. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he so didn't do both. I know that baseball's tough because it, it's been playing for 140 years. 140 or years. I don't know if that's true, but it feels like it, doesn't it? Uh, five players have done it. One player has done it. Wow! And it just happened last week Whoa. while you were paying attention. It's got to be uh, the California Angel, Shohei Otani. Otani. Yeah, yeah. But here's what's just incredible. Okay. He's the only player to ever do it in a career. Both 13 strikeouts on the hill. And eight RBIs in a game. Not the same game, but you understand. Understand, yes. To do both in a career. Right. He did it on back-to-back nights. Unreal. I've told you before, at some point his agent's going to demand that he's one of the highest-paid pitchers combined with one of the highest-paid hitters. I mean, he deserves double salary. Well, I've been saying for a long time that as much that has been written and said about him, I still think it's the most underrated accomplishment In the history of sports. I think you're right. I mean, we're it just like be living with it. Every like magazine, every newspaper, <laughs> every week, every episode yeah. should be talking. Give me one thing, one thing in your lifetime that you think is more impressive from yeah. a human being than in 2022. And I don't mean to disrespect Babe Ruth, but things are a lot different when Babe Ruth was a pitcher and a hitter. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This is 2022. Right. The greatest of the greatest. You know how... You know what the odds are of becoming a all-star pitcher? The odds? No, I do not. From like your childhood? Yeah. How many kids that you go out and watch play Little League right. become all-star hit, uh, pitchers? Now ask the question, what are the odds to become an all-star hitter, one of the great hitters in the game? Crazy. And then multiply them times each other to figure <laughs> out the chances of doing both. One right? in 72 trillion or something, yeah. Give it's me crazy. one. Give me one accomplishment. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that jumps to mind, and I yes. know you had kind of a weird thing with him, but Jim Abbott, to me, is I still don't think we're impressed enough by a guy with 
one hand that became an all-star. It may not be as, I don't but he mean jumps to, to disrespect mind. Jim Abbott. To me, this is not even close. But the odds of making it, like we just yes. okay, now you got to do it with one hand. What are the odds? Yes, I he, mean, was, holy a, he, he was a pitcher. Yeah, just yeah, just a pitcher with, with the other hand. Yeah, it's it's not as impressive. I don't but even that think it's in. The, I don't even think it's in the name. I thought you might say I don't know Tiger Woods holding all four majors at the same time yeah. or. I don't think there's even anything in the ballpark. I can't even come up. Like, if you ask me, give me something, I can't come up. He is one of the best pitchers and one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball at yeah. the same time. It's insane. I know. Well, I, I don't think we're impressed enough still by it. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, Bo Jackson being maybe the best running back in the league and the, one of the best, maybe the best outfielder at the same time. Okay. That's something, right? So right? there's a conversation to be had. Yeah. 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 He, was a, he was a really good outfielder. All-star. An all-star. He yeah. was a really good hitter. Yep. And he was a great running back. At the same time. Maybe could have become one of the greatest of all time. Certainly in football, had a chance, if he would have stayed healthy, to be one of the great running backs of all time, I would think. Well, I, I've So said, maybe, yes, yeah. maybe Bo Jackson is the answer. I don't I have even, to I really don't think about that. I mean, to me, Bo Jackson's the greatest running back I ever saw carry a football. The greatest. If, if, That's because he ran over no, your guy. No, it was a weird angle. He didn't run him over. <laughs> um... He if, ran over if your guy. People love to do the the career yards. Like, well, he played 14 seasons. What did Bo play? Four or yeah, something, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. But if if Bo played okay. 12 seasons, he's the greatest running back ever. When he played, I thought he was the best running back in the game. No, I don't know. I don't know if it compares, okay. but it's a The up problem there. with it, it does compare. Okay. It does. I, I think it compares. Okay. But just because we've had a flurry of guys that have done both or dabbled or gotten close in both. A flurry? Well, I mean, Deion Sanders. That's it. Okay. How many How <laughs> many guys became a great pitcher? Who, who dabbled in that? Yeah, right. There's no dabbling. G- g- give me honorable <laughs> mentions of that. I could probably, if I thought about it, yeah. there's probably been some guys that have played one sport and gotten close. I mean, Michael Jordan didn't get really close, but he played double A. Yeah. I mean, there have been guys that have been really proficient in two sports. Yeah. Maybe not to the level of Bo Jackson. Okay. Give me the honorable mentions to Shohei Otani. Right. 2022, 13 strikeouts one night, eight RBIs the next night. Give me <laughs> g- give me some names. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there aren't any. There, yeah. Of course there's not any. Mariner fans are like, all right, we get it. The Angels have a great player. We got it. Oh, He's they have more good. than just a great player. <laughs> yeah, they have a couple. Though. Mitch Unfiltered <laughs> is available on all major podcast platforms. Please, please, please rate and review us. Uh-oh. On Apple, we need... You know, five-star rates and reviews. Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron, $5 a month. We've got great shows. Have access to all the bonus shows. We had two more with uh, Danny O'Neill and Slickhawk this past week. If you'd like to be a patron with access, it costs $5 a month. Mm -hmm. If $5 a month is truly an issue for you and you'd like to be a patron, just write me at MitchUnfiltered.com. Great. Okay? Dear Mitch... (laughs) Sue Bird, we talked about Sue Bird last week, did we not? Yeah, I think you said she might be the most recognizable name in the history of women's basketball. I think you said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And we kind of agreed on that. We could, we, Do we agree? We threw out Lisa Leslie. Yeah, uh, yeah. If she's, Cheryl Swoops is The name maybe. Sue Bird to yeah. me is close if it's not the, right. right? We also talked about her salary and how much these, these star women players get paid and how they have to go to Europe and yeah. overseas to play during the off season to supplement their income yep. and the whole thing. So this is what the guys write. Dear Mitch, Sue Bird signed a one year $72,000 contract this year. Whew. 
The highest paid players in the league make 238000 And there are three that make that money. Brianna. Coincidentally, two of them are on the storm. <laughs> yeah. Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd. Sure. The other player making that money is Diana Taurasi. I think we can all agree this is pathetic. There are guys in the NBA that I've never heard of making $20 million a year. And the big stars, they make over $50 million now. There needs to be far more equality with that pay to keep them out of Russia and provide them a proper offseason. Thank you for bringing that up with Hotshot earlier in the week. It would be nice. I mean, you know, I champion women's sports I know as you do. as anyone. I know you do. But You've it, got Little League All-Stars starting tomorrow. Oh, boy. Softball All-Stars. District is re- 9 tournament. As this is released, it starts today. 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 The road and to they North are the, Carolina. And, they are the, and you would say they're better than even money to get to the Little League World Series? Mm, I don't know. To get to the World Series, better than Little... No. Even money? Like one-to-one to get to the little... Where is it? Where is the World Series? North, North Carolina? Carolina? Yeah. I hate and making I, a prediction Do I like have that. to go? I think I have to yeah, go. Yeah, you're, you're on the hook if they go. You said you'd go if, uh, if Piper makes it. You were it telling there. me that you think that... Like, they would be disappointed if they don't make it to the World Series. No, no. If Not if, just not out of Wash. Not just District 9 out of Wash. At least regionals. I mean, state, there might be some great teams. Who knows? Okay. You might come across a fireballer. But, but, you're, but you're kind of expecting that they're going to the Little League World Series. I'm at least expecting regionals. Where in North Carolina? Uh, regionals, you mean like... Like West Coast regionals, right? Or like- but as I explained to you, and you didn't listen, as I explained, they now have a Northwest. I know that. Tournament. I know that. Yeah, yeah. I know that. Yeah, and that's in San Bernardino, California. It'll be surprising if they don't, if they don't at least come to the state championship game. I, I think they can make it to the state championship. Oh, that's a lot less than you were telling me before. But I'm saying the World Series to me isn't out of the question, especially with that Northwest okay. region. So you're a champion of women's sports. Yeah, and but I, I just think the math is what it is. I mean, they don't have the huge. TV deals and they're, they're yes. not selling out, you know, 45,000. No question. I, I think, I think we look at the storm, but not every city is the storm. People are in love with the storm in Seattle, but I don't think every other building is selling tickets like Seattle is. And unfortunately the math is what it is. Do we know that Seattle's selling a lot of seats? It looks pretty full. Uh, when are they I watch. giving them away? Are they selling yeah, them? Are they know. getting any, is and, there any real cheaper. gate? And by the way, they're, they're cheaper than NBA tickets. Oh, so. no question. Right. So the, the math kind of is, I mean, I think it sucks. I, I, well, would, I would love for the well, NBA me, to have every player give 0.01% of their salary okay. into a kitty, and then they spread that all over the WNBA Well, we players. haven't started the show yet. Oh, yeah. But let me give you my view on this. Okay. You're exactly right. It's a very, very niche product. It just is. It is. Whether you want to... That doesn't mean we don't like it or that we're no, not rooting for it. it admittedly, I am not a big WNBA fan. I will not stop when I'm rotating and I'm chaining the channels around, if I see a WNBA game, if it involves Seattle and I'm not watching anything else, I'll stop on a Seattle Storm game. But I, for the most part, I'm not interested in watching the WNBA. And you're right, the gate, there can't be much of a gate. There can't be much sponsorship money. There can't be a lot of TV revenue. And the NBA obviously prints money. They can't can't get out of the way of the billions, the billions and billions and billions. So yes... From a simple mathematics standpoint, if you want the league to survive on its own, they're probably paying the salaries and maybe even more in salary than they ought to be paying considering the revenue. I don't know the the financial dynamics, but here's what I would say, even not being a WNBA fan. Here's what I would say. The NBA, as as we just pointed out, I mean, billions and billions and billions of dollars every year. 
There's so much money in the NBA these days. These owners have so much revenue. There is so much money. It's crazy. Yep. So maybe the NBA ought to throw a few dollars, more dollars, maybe they already are, yeah. more dollars into WNBA salaries, even though the mathematics don't equate in terms of the WNBA living on its own. Right. Maybe the NBA should just say, chalk it up to growth of the game. Right. International growth of the game. Encouraging young women, youth girls, to play basketball, to show them here, look at there, there is a pot of gold at the end. Look, 238000 is not bad, but would it be all, how much money would it cost the NBA? And this is simple math. I don't know how many, how many WNBA teams there are. If you said, okay, the greats of the game, the greats of the WNBA game, they're going to get a million dollars a year. Yeah. A million dollars. A million dollars a year. Define greats? And let's, well, the, the real greats, the all, the, the 10 best players okay. in the WNBA are going to be million dollar a year salary performers. Okay. And let's say the minimum is everybody's going to make at least 100 grand. Okay. okay. I don't know how many players are in the NBA, WNBA, but you could figure out that. And I'm my guess is the total of that is not that much. Right. Compared to if you added up the salaries of every single player in the NBA and what the NBA pays to their players. Well, I wouldn't even go there because to me it's not even a it's not it's a it's not even apples and oranges. Right, but I'm it? saying you could pull 0.01% from all that. Oh. And you could Pay the WNBA. It's, it's couch cushion money. Exactly. To the w, that's to the that's my point. It's millions and millions that you could just spread out over the WNBA. How many players. teams are in the WNBA? Do you even know? 12, maybe? I don't know. That's it? I, I think. I can look. Hold on. Maybe more. Yeah, maybe. You would I think. I think there's more than 12 WNBA teams. But really, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it would be that big of a deal. Oh, there are 12. Just 12? That's what it looks like, yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> I know. That's not a lot. So, yeah. so let's say there's, what, 12 players on every roster? 144 players? Yeah. Right. 144 players, 10 of them get a million dollars a year. That's 10 million. Right. In a year. And then the rest of them get somewhere between, let's say, 100 grand and 200 grand, 300 grand. How much money really is that? As I said, that's that's couch cushion money it is. for the NBA. Yeah. And they could just say, hey, we're going to just give this to you guys. We're doing this yeah. we're doing this for the good of the game, for right. the growth of the game. That's right. That's all. Yeah. I we were watching uh, Piper Network. That's all. You know the name Jocelyn Allo? No. She's probably the greatest hitter uh in softball and she plays for Oklahoma. Yeah. Anyway, I it was just like, I know the the pitcher on Oklahoma who we've had on the show, the great pit the best pitcher in softball for in Oklahoma, America. I don't know her. Yeah. Uh, I'll get. I'll remember her name in a second. But yeah. I was looking at her like, okay, you're maybe the greatest hitter who's ever played. Now right. what? You have to go get a job. Like, yeah. There's just nowhere to go. I mean, yeah. I think there yeah. are some weird leagues and teams, and maybe someone has a pro league. But the fact that you're just done. I mean, you've mastered your craft better than just about anyone, and you're just done. Now you got to go sit in a cubicle. It's I don't think it would be too bad if if the great WNBA All Stars made a million bucks. Yeah, it'd be nice. It's a million bucks, right? To the WNBA, I know. Forget it. I mean, the million bucks. Go, I'm always surprised when Brianna I look at Stewart, rosters. Stewart, a million dollars a year. Yeah, she should be. So right. then she doesn't have to go and play. Maybe she still want to, but she have to go to Germany or wherever they go to play yeah. in the offseason. I think that's what puts a lot of wear and tear. I mean, you're literally playing like two seasons as opposed to one like yeah. everyone else, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Lauren Jackson broke down. Her body couldn't take it because she was always going playing somewhere in Australia and all that. So, yeah, I'm with you. Episode 196, we have three guests. Terry Strata. 
name, name anything. Familiar. You probably have read the name a lot lately. Okay. But you wouldn't know who she is before the last few weeks. She lost her husband on the 104th floor of the World Trade Center's North Tower okay. on September 11, 2001. Um, he called her after the plane struck her building before he, he died. She's the national chair of the 9-11 Family and Survivors United for Justice Against Terrorism. They're outraged with all the golfers partnering up with the Saudi regime. Yeah. They've written letters and they will tell us, she will join us to tell us of their response and tell us more about their objection to this Saudi league and Phil Mickelson and right. Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson and all the rest, Brooks Kepka going over there and partnering up with a regime that was responsible for 15 of the 19 hijackers that in part took her husband. A friendly reminder yes. of something that happened 20 years ago that rocked us all. So yeah, it's probably a nice time to have a refresher. And then there's Pumpkin Ridge in Oregon. Oh yeah. Hosting. Did that happen? On America's, about to. Okay. Yeah, I think it's either this week or next week. Yeah. yeah. Pumpkin Ridge in Portland, Oregon, just outside of Portland, Oregon, saying, yeah, come on. We'll be able to, we're, we're more than willing to take your check and host the golf tournament on American soil, despite the fact that there are thousands and thousands of families suffering still 21 years later sure. after terrorists took their, their loved ones yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. look forward to hearing what yeah. she has to say. Yeah. Matt Stretch Johnson is back on episode 196. Now that name doesn't ring a bell. Yes, it does. It does. Yes, it oh, does. that guy. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I remember. Did you know <laughs> that the city of Seattle, Lumen Field, <laughs> was named a host city for the 2026 World Cup. Did you know did that you we know discussed that? this on the last episode? <laughs> yes, I did know that. He has plenty to say about that. You know, he and his brother go to every World Cup, no matter where it's it is in the world. Such a cool thing. Yeah. They travel all around the world. They're getting ready to go to Qatar. And you'll hear me in the interview with Matt Stretch Johnson remind him that one-night stands are illegal in Qatar. Oh, wow. And punishable... For up to three years in prison. Wow. If you, there is evidence of a one-night stand. You would have had nothing to three, worry about in your 20s. Three you were just fine. years in prison. <laughs> I think that Matt Stretch Johnson needs to be aware of that before he goes to Qatar. That's all How I'm are saying. they possibly proving that? <laughs> Maybe it's my second night. How do you know? <laughs> I mean, we've been on four actually, dates. Actually, it's sex outside of marriage. Oh, gotcha. Okay. If you want to get technical. I, I do. So the second night, I think, is three years. Three years, three years, three years. Wow. Hope it was worth it, Hotshot. Yeah, no three kidding. Three years. All right, well, yep. another reason why I'm not going to the World Cup. And Sam Ferris, NBA draft expert, is ready to react to, I don't know if you followed the NBA draft. Did you see that there was a number one pick from Seattle, Washington? I am friends with his mom on Facebook, so yes, I saw it, believe really? it or not. Really? How yes. are you friends with his mom on Facebook? Well, We've been trying to get her on the show. Really? Yeah. Rhonda? Yeah. You want to get her on? We've been trying. You should ask your ask I think your buddy. Steve is trying. So, Who's um, my buddy? Who's my pal? Yeah, I probably could make it happen for Can you. Can you? But she, she was... Us. So she... Make it happen for us. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So yeah, she played at UW, as you know. Yeah. And then I used to work the door at a club that was not like a hopping club, but I worked the door a little bit and... You she, worked the door? Yeah, like, I mean, again, it wasn't like a hot spot. It was a little older crowd. Anyway, yeah. she would come in once in a while, and we yeah. chatted up, and we have mutual friends. And, like, Piper's softball coach was it, played baseball at UW. And, you know, we all have, like, mutual friends. Well, maybe friends. you can help producer Steve. He doesn't seem to be able to – Oh, okay. Hasn't been able to get a time, a confirmation from her. He's it, trying. It doesn't feel as if she's unwilling to talk about her son. 
Why would she? <laughs> I mean, exactly, right? Why Number would one? she? That's I've amazing. got plenty of things to say about her son. Yeah. In our first segment. It's crazy. Not plenty, but a little bit. How many incredible NBA players come out of the Seattle area? It's amazing, right? How about athletes in general? Yeah. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah, but especially basketball. I mean, going back to like well, Jamal I, Crawford. Well, it's, and funny, all, you know. it's funny that you should mention that because when I came here in 94, yep. the cupboard was pretty bare historically. It was like Quinn Snyder and nobody else. Yeah. Mark Pope. Can you think of anybody really before? I think that Quinn Snyder was the first McDonald's All-American in the state of Washington history. That sounds right. And then I come in 94. You realize how many guys? Right. How many guys have played in that game from Seattle and the it's Northwest yeah. since 1994 in the last 25 years? It's crazy. Yeah. I it's mean, crazy. It's boomed. Newport High had Mark Pope, full ride to Kentucky. I remember him. Yeah, and then he ended up at University of Washington, didn't he? I think maybe he went yeah. to University of Washington. I think he transferred. Right? But like those two, Quinn Snyder and like Mark Pope are like the... That's it. That was the bar. Like, that was that's it. That's it, yeah. And now it's like every year there's like one or two. Unreal. In fact, I believe there were three players drafted in the first round on Thursday from the state of Washington. Wow. Impressive. Yeah. There was a... Well, we know that there was an O'Day... Yep. I think there was a Garfield guy that's in like the G League okay. that I've lost track of that might have been drafted in the first round. Oh, gotcha. And somebody else. How about I, think the- there, I think there are three first round draft choices from the state of Washington in the 2022 NBA draft. Is Holmgren from Gonzaga? Is he a Washington? No, he's he's from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah. He played with the guard. Remember the guard that they had the year before? Yes. Yeah, Gonzaga. Maybe? Yeah, Suggs. Yeah, yeah. Who went high? Is that, yeah. Yep. They played a. They might even be from the same high school. Oh, they wow. Pl- definitely from the same AAU team. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So Gonzaga got the two guys back to back. Anyway, I'll have a couple of things to say. Terry Strada, Matt Stretch Johnson, Sam Ferris, you and me. Yes, sir. We're gonna talk. Oh, other. How stuff. have the Mariners done since <laughs> I went on my rant to fire everybody? Since I flailed like a six-year-old how have they done yeah you you divorced i, th- I think you said you broke up with them i'm that done was it. yeah i told you, you were, i was done you were through throwing their stuff out on the lawn beat it should i don't want to do know that, from you should i do that spiel every episode <laughs> yes you should i think we've got some stuff to say to talk about in not only segment one but some good other stuff segment yes sir at the end all right let's do it okay episode 196 creeping towards 200 Presented by Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. Evergreengk.com. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza fired up about the huge new location coming end of July to Terrace Station in Mount Lake Terrace, already new in Mill Creek. White Center now open on 16th Avenue Southwest, Northwest-style pizza, the best craft beer selection anywhere and to your door in no time with the Zeke's Pizza app, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, what an awesome weekend we had of weather, one of the most underrated elements of Daniel's Broiler locations. Their outside seating options like patios overlooking the world in Bellevue and the seaplanes at South Lake Union, Lake Washington at Leshine. It's not just the steaks that makes Daniel's a world-class steakhouse. Fireside Home Solutions, one last major pool coming up from Fireside, the British Open. John Waterstrat has been unbelievable in his support. Start your search for a new fireplace unit or garage doors at firesidehomesolutions.com.
the Kirkland Office of Cross Country Mortgage navigating all of these interest rates. You're going to hear on this show Jordan explain how they can help with buying rental properties and second homes and much more. Seven minutes is all you need with the lead man, Jordan Flowers, 425-890-2957. Don't ask him about his golf tournament this past weekend. Episode 196 is about to begin. Actually, it does begin officially right now. Unfiltered. There are only 15 Mariners in Mariners history that have hit more home runs at that ballpark than Mike Trout. All you got to do is play two years and be a 30 home run hitter and hit like 17 each year at home and you've got more than Mike Trout. Unfiltered. Somebody living in St. Louis, Missouri and you're a casual fan of golf and you hear that golf's multi-multi-millionaires, the richer than the rich, are taking even more money from the people that that housed 15 of the 19 attackers on 9-11, you should be, that's a really, if you're right, I don't know if you're right or wrong, it's a sad commentary. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 196 yeah, is now officially underway. And by the way, yeah. I never gave you the other stump the band. I had two stump the oh, band questions. Let's go. My first one you got wrong. I said, how many players in Major League Baseball history have both a 13-strikeout game and an 8-RBI game in their careers? Answer one. It was last week, and it was done on back-to-back days. Right. Imagine that something that's never happened in 140 years of history then happens on back-to-back days 140 years later. It's crazy. And by the way, my answer was not many, so I don't know if I really got it wrong. I got it right. All right, I got got another one for you. Okay. How many times has a man driven an 8 and his team never led at any point of that game. Think about what I just asked. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, a guy with eight RBIs, but his team never had the lead at any time. Forget losing the game. Yeah. They never led. How many times in Major League Baseball had that happen before Shohei Otani's Angels the other night on Wednesday got his eight RBIs, but never led once in the game? More importantly, I'd like to know who's the person that has to look that up? Me! You did. No, I didn't. <laughs> you I have did. access to that enormous database? No, I just read stuff. <laughs> I'm guessing it probably never has happened. It was the first time. Yeah, that's incredible. The first time. Jeez. Yeah, Otani's just... Remember how Tiger sort of, they said he transformed the geese? He's changing golf. They have to fix the courses. It's too easy. It sometimes feels like this guy is like transforming you know funny? baseball. This is kind of a... I don't even know that anybody cares about this, and I don't even know that it's a very interesting story. But the second of the two games that we went to, remember I took I took the boys the boys to one game, and then I took the other boy to the other yep. game, and we saw the Angels. It was the day that Mike Trout hit two home runs. Yes. The first, I think it was the first game of the series when they were here a week and a half or so ago. Yep. Shohei Otani pitched in that game. Okay. And I swear to you, no one's going to believe me. Max and I watched Shohei Otani warm up mm-hmm. before the, the bottom of the first inning. I swear to how many warm-up pitches do they get? Eight? Yeah, I don't know. Eight or ten. Yeah. He couldn't throw a strike. Really? He not only could not throw a strike in warm-up. This is warm-ups. Yeah. He was bouncing balls in warm-ups past the catcher and throwing them. I thought he was fooling around. I thought it was a big joke, like a practical, like a, like a, <laughs> right. like a, uh, what was Alan Funt? Yeah, it's candid, candid camera. camera. Yes, timely. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. You're getting punked also timely. but And I say to Max, I just watch, and I don't even know why I was even watching the warmups. Yeah. I was just sitting there with nothing to do. My eyes were focused on the warmups. Sure. I swear to you, he went 0 for 8 in the warmups before the bottom of the first inning. Huh. Then the Mariners get up, and I'm telling you, if you go back to that game, even though he pitched deep into the game and he won the game and they won the game, he could hardly throw a strike in the bottom of the first. He he totally for like a minute or two he lost it. Yeah, he could. It was it was like watching a little league guy. <laughs> he lost it. He did. He couldn't <laughs> throw a strike, and he walked a couple guys in that first inning. They got guys on first and third or second and third. The Mariners bailed him out a little bit and swung at some bad pitch. He was having tr- he was literally having trouble throwing a hmm. strike. In that game. I don't know if that's interesting. No, it is. Yeah. I mean, but you've never seen anything like it. You Big try league. playing both. It's not easy. He has to go. He was probably fielding the not. next day. All right. I got another stump the band question that I don't know the answer to. You don't? No. Okay. Well, that's why I'm here. How many high schools in America can say that they had a number one pick overall in the NBA draft and a Masters champion? Wow, I don't know the answer either, but I'm guessing O'Day has one of those. Well, we know O'Day has. As of Thursday, they have a number one overall pick in the NBA draft. And a certain guy by the name of Fred Fred Couples, Couples, I believe, went to O'Day High School as well. And they've got other guys that went to O'Day. They actually got a a nice-looking alum. The Burlsons went to O'Day. Demetrius DuBose, do you remember him? Oh, linebacker, Notre Dame. Right? Yeah. Did he go to Notre Dame? Yeah. From one Catholic school to another. Yeah. Hotshot's father-in-law, O'Day. Really? <laughs> yeah, he went to O'Day. I don't know he how long He wasn't on ago. my list, does it say? <laughs> he didn't make the list of best Miles Gaskin went to O'Day. Sure, yeah. Taylor Mays went to oh, O'Day. He was good. An NBAer named Clint Richardson went to O'Day. Fred Couples went to O'Day. Yeah. And now Paolo Boncaro went to O'Day. So there you go. You've got a Masters champion and a number one overall pick in an NBA draft from the same high school. I can't believe that that's either happened before or will happen again. I'm just saying. I don't, I don't know. That's do impressive. Know? It, it really is impressive, is. isn't it? For a high school, yeah. I mean, you'd have to start. Well, yeah. I don't know how you'd even start looking at who, who's going to sit there and spend the well, 50 hours. Well, I can I can, I can, can lead you to one, one chant. I mean, it's not the same, but didn't that high school in Texas. Okay. Matt Stafford. Yeah. Scotty Scheffler. Was it Houston, in Houston, maybe? or No, I think it's in the Dallas area. It is. Okay. And there was somebody else, and I'm forgetting. Who Who with Matt Stafford? Somebody. Oh, I see oh, what you're oh, saying. Oh, 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 I'll tell you who Kershaw. it is. Kershaw. That's right. Gotcha. That's pretty and good she- high school. And, and Scheffler <laughs> won the Masters. Oh, okay. And I think Stafford was number one in the NFL draft. But not the NBA. No, not the NBA draft. <laughs> now I got to see where Stafford. And Kershaw was probably up there too. So maybe that high school's got O'Day beat. I don't know. A Dallas area high school that had all those guys. Anyway. Nonetheless, impressive. So the Mariners are doing okay since my rant. They're all right. How else was that going to go? You're going to go off for 20 minutes about how we're... And I was with Fire you. Fire everybody. I no, was, you, no, you weren't. No, you were just... I was ready to break up and stop watching. I just couldn't take it. They, they lost that doubleheader. And that was just a killer, right? They lost four out of five to the Angels. Yeah. Awful. And ever since that rant, it came. It it, it it almost it almost held true all the way to today. Yeah, the day we're recording this. Right. If it weren't for a two-one kind of fight-infested Sunday finale well, against the Angels, well, your three best hitters get booted, right? Or yeah. essentially, your three best hitters. You got J.P. Crawford like jumping and <laughs> throwing haymakers off the top turnbuckle. It's pandemonium. You liked it. You thought that that was a good rule. Yeah, showing huh? a little fight. Showing they give a shit. Let's go. Do you care or is this season over? 
Like, clearly they care. It's Jesse funny. Winker giving the double bird? I don't know. Did he? Oh, sure he did. From the dugout? He was walking back to the dugout. He gave it to the fans, the double bird. I think it's when oh. he got booted. There's a great oh. picture of him giving the double bird. But I like that they're showing a little fight. Like, tell me, do I need to invest in this team? Are you guys mailing it in? Or is there some fight left in you? You like the fight. I mean, I know. I like a, the wins. You like the fight. But it's a fa- I know it's a family event. My wife would say that's yeah. an embarrassing. They're grown men. What are they doing? But I don't know. If you're going to start throwing at people's heads, like, I don't know. Tempers are going to flare. I don't know what to tell you. They're grown men. They get pissed off. It happens. I like it. I like that they showed some fight. I'm back in. We're dating again. So are we keeping service in DePoto now or are we still firing? <laughs> I don't know. I fired them last week. I know. I they mean, apparently didn't get the message because they've still been working. They've still been coming to their work each day. Yeah. I mean, service in DePoto will probably listen to this cockamamie yeah, podcast. No they, no, they don't. Well, it looks like I fired, they did. I fired them last week. <laughs> yeah. And they went out and won the first five games since the dismissal. <laughs> of course. And then uh, and then they lost Sunday's game. So they're by trying the way, to inch their way back up the standings. Sunday's game was like a broken bat single by the Angels. I mean, they could have easily won that game, the Mariners. Yeah, right? they got a home run from the most unlikely place on the roster. Abraham Toro from the right side of the plate. Right. It's a long shot that you get a home run from him from the left side of the plate. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a one in a billion that you're going to get. Yeah. It's a Shohei Otani that you're going to get a home run from Abraham Toro from the right side. And he hit one out to left field to give them the one nothing lead, but they couldn't hold on. And, yeah, bummer. Yeah. So All right, they'll, have like to settle, they'll have to settle for five out of six. Not too shabby. Now, before we get to the guests and we get to the other stuff segment, I know this isn't sports, but I have to ask you a question about about the car dealership business. Not sure that I'm an expert, but okay. Does anybody know when it all started? The bad reputation, you know, the reputation, the car dealer, the car salesman reputation. The sleazy car salesman. Where did that come from? Where did it start? And why does it have to be that way? You think you hate it now. Wait till you drive it. You know that line? <laughs> no, you, I don't know that line. Eugene Levy tells uh, Chevy oh. Chase that in vacation. <laughs> You think you hate it now? Wait till you drive it. Why is it like that? Why, why? Why do car dealerships have that reputation? Yeah, but no one else really does. Who's in sales? That's right? what I'm saying. Yeah. Why, why can't? Why can't car car retail sales be just like any other retail hmm. sale? Where did it happen? Where did it start? And why do they continually feed? You know, they feed their reputation. I have a lot of friends who are actually in the car dealership business. Yeah, yeah. So I apologize in advance, but I got to tell you, I spent a weekend trying to buy a car. And one of the patrons works at the Dodge dealership, but go ahead, keep keep going. I'll stop now. <laughs> keep going. He's, he'll, he'll be cool with it. I don't know what it is. I, I, okay, first of all, I think, I think car dealers used to sell pieces of shit for money. And that, that's why they have that lemon law. Yes. Because I think car dealerships, like you can't tell if you just look at a car if it's going to die on you or not. Right. Just by looking at it, unless you're a mechanic and get under the hood, you know. So I think there was a lot of that going on. Some shenanigans of, oh, buy this car. It breaks down in two days. Hey, our hands are, are tied here. We okay. can't take it back. Okay. So I think that's why they started that lemon law. So you, okay. can, you can't do that. All right. So I think maybe that's kind of how it started. But but yeah, it just, it, it, nobody just, wants to go buy a car ever. Nobody. It's awful. Everybody says... The car salespeople and car dealerships and managers are shady and unethical. Yeah. And I don't get why somebody hasn't come around in the last 100 years and just changed that. Well, there are a lot of websites I see now where you just, you just dial, you know, there's all kinds of different apps and websites where you just, this is the price. If you want it, buy it, you know, as opposed to having to go in. But 
So two things happened to me over the last three days. Okay. In the car dealership world. All right. You bought one. Well, I did. I did. Well, I didn't. My mother, bless her heart, wanted to buy Max a car. Wow. Her grandson a car, Very which nice. is a really nice thing. Yeah. Who's tasked with... <laughs> Thanks for the errand. <laughs> right. Which is a nice thing. Look. What are you going to do? It's, I mean, yeah, she's paying for it. Just go put the work in. It's worth it. Yes. So we narrow it down and... On Thursday or Friday of last week, probably know there's a car shortage. Nobody's got any cars. So they've got the leverage. They've got the upper hand. Yeah. It's hard to negotiate on cars because cars are literally coming off of the truck and getting sold. Right. You go to a dealership in the old days and they'd be lined up. There's literally no cars to see. You can't even go test drive a car anymore. Wow, I didn't know that. Because no, you didn't know that. Okay. Well, I, I, I knew rental cars panicked Since during the COVID. Pandemic, oh. They sold all their cars off. Yeah. You couldn't oh. get a rental car forever. The car, the car industry okay. in the last three years has changed dramatically. I call, I make a deal with a dealership that's like two hours north of here. They ask me what I can pay for the car. You know, the whole routine. They ask me oh, what I could pay for the car. Yeah. I give them the number. They come back. They text me a number that's over my budget, like 500 bucks over my budget. And I go, okay, deal done. Okay. I made a deal with a car dealership up north, like on Thursday, over text, over, over a phone call, talk to them. They asked me, because it's so far away and I wasn't coming till Saturday to pick up the car, they asked me for $2,000 as a deposit oh, to hold the car. Seinfeld tickets all over again. Go no, 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 okay, no, no. All right. This is I the gave, up and up. All right. I gave him the deposit. We made a deal. I yeah. gave him the deposit. And then just before I get in the car to go up to pick up the car that we bought, that we have a deal on, that I have a deposit on, cool. they asked me for 500 bucks more. That's really? uh Yeah. Oh, uh, we, we we can't do it for the deal that we told you. Your taxes are higher, whatever. We found fees that we didn't uh, know about. It was yeah. an oversight on our behalf. Okay, if it was an oversight on your behalf, <laughs> right, why, are why, you why am I paying? Right? <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm like, I didn't say it to the guy, but this is when I first started saying to myself, see, this is... This is why car dealerships right. have bad names. Yeah. This is why car salespeople have bad names. You asked me what I could pay for the car. You came back and said, here's what we could sell it for you. Yeah. I said, okay. We had a handshake. I gave you two grand. It was all said and done. Right. And then just before I pick up, there was only one thing worse, as my wife would say. They could have changed the price after I got there two hours to go. I drove yeah. two hours to pick up the car. They could have come out and said, oh, by the way, it's more money than we expected. On principle, I don't end up buying the car. Oh, good. I was going to say a lot of people would have walked away. Yeah. Bob okay. Levy, Bob Levy would say general principle. I, yeah. I walked, no, I, I, but you got your two and grand they were, back. And they were like, yeah, I got my two hundred, my two grand back. And they were like, you're literally going to walk away from this because yeah. of an extra three or four or $500. Yep. And I said, yeah, yeah, I would too. That's yeah, I, I am. Yeah. I am. I am. And it's probably going to cost my mother more money in right. the long run. It's right. going to cost me a lot of aggravation, but you can't give them the business, but you, you know what? No, yeah. I'm yeah. just not, it, there, there's just something unethical, shady, whatever you want to call it, about asking me for more money after we had a deal and I gave you a deposit. You changed the price? No, I'm not giving you my business. Right. Good for you. Okay. I wouldn't have either. So two days later, I make a deal with another dealership, more local. Okay. This was yesterday. The guy says, we got a new car. It just came off the truck. Do you want it? And I said, I, I want it. We want it under the circumstances that it fits our budget. What is your budget? I give them my budget. They come back and it's $500 more than my budget. Oh, and I God. say, okay. 
when can you get here to finalize it? I said, I'll come right now. Yeah. This is yesterday. Okay. This is Saturday. Saturday, yeah. All right. So now I need to get my wife in the car because she has to drop me off. We get in the car to go. We make the deal over the phone. We make the deal. I'm going. It's 10, 15 minutes away. Okay. I'm going to buy the car and bring the car home. And I get in the car with my wife and a text comes in and it says, don't come right now. Hold off. I got to make sure that the car has passed inspections and is ready to be picked up. I'm already in the car with right. my wife. I'm oh. like, okay, that does not sound right. Inspections. Got to make sure that it's ready to be picked up. Okay. So we're s- literally, my wife and I are sitting in the car, like waiting for the, the go-ahead to be able to drive. And I <laughs> said, you is know Is it going to be an hour? Is it going to be a minute? Like, don't, It may not be ever. <laughs> right. We made a deal. <laughs> How they do you said, know? How long the car wait? is yours. <laughs> yeah. Here's the price. I said, okay, I'm coming right now to finalize it. Good. We have a deal. They said, we have a deal. I'm sitting in the car with my wife waiting for them oh. to come to come go get the car. And I said to her, you know what? Let's just go. It's only 15, 20 minutes away. Let's right. just go. So we drive to the dealership, still having not heard the go ahead to come to the dealership yeah, because yeah, yeah. they got to make sure that the car passes inspections, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. Get there. And they're showing the car to somebody else to see if they can get more money for it. You just got better dealed, but they lied to you inspection that's something that, that didn't that doesn't sound right so i walk in and the guy says to me oh hi i said yeah they said well i don't know it might be sold and then the guy one of the managers comes out and gives like the the throat cut gesture that they didn't buy it as it turns out we bought the car but they were looking for a few more bucks from someone no else. question <laughs> i know it's a I'm business like, but like, there is something about it come it, on I really i know yeah, it is weird. Like if, if you go, if you buy a new roof for your house, you don't feel like you're getting ripped off. Like, you know what I mean? It's like anything you buy, you don't feel that way. It's kind of the price is the price. Why does it? What happened? I don't know. Yeah, it's something about cars. Maybe maybe there's more wiggle room. You can like, you know. Of course, there's well, there's a lot of wiggle room. I'm yeah, sure. I mean, that, that doesn't help, obviously. Yeah. I have had Seahawk tickets on Craigslist for a certain price. Someone says, I love them. I'm like, great. They're yours. We'll meet, blah, blah, blah. And then two minutes later, someone will email me and offer more. And I always go with the first one. You I mean, do? I, I know Good we're for you. But we're talking 50 bucks. I know. I'm not a hero. Yeah, but, you are. But I always, I'm a hero in my eyes. I always feel weird about telling that person, oh, whoops, never mind. I'm going to go with some. You know what I mean? It just kind of feels icky and weird. So I always just go with the first person, even if I could have made more money. It just it kind of makes me. It is awful. It makes the car buying process brutal. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know how it started. I don't know why the sleazy car which, sales. Which one started. was worse? The guy up north? that took my two grand deposit and then said, oh, oh, by the way, we found another tax. It's going to actually cost you another $300, $400, $500. Or the guy here who says, we've got a deal, come on in, then tells me to wait yeah. to see if the car passes inspections. And when I go in there, I find them literally <laughs> trying to sell the car to somebody else which it. one which one is worse you're like you're like which you, one is worse you're, you're, should i feel badly that i actually ended up buying should i have walked out and not bought the car because at some point see the problem is at some point you're bite what's the expression you're biting your nose despite your face right yeah. you end up cautioning yourself because yeah. of a, a, an ethical an ethical dilemma right you end up right and you're spending more time how, how much time do you want to spend on this i know you end up I spending know. more but 
I know. Was the right thing to do when I got there and I saw that they were actually shopping the car that they agreed to sell me? Was the right thing for me to do to get in the car and leave? Just I, get, just leave? I think in a weird way, if, if there's a car shortage, look, they're a business. If it's $200 more, it behooves them to go with that person. So I don't... No, it doesn't. I don't blame them. And especially with a shortage. I mean, these, you know, if you're telling me cars are hard to come by, yes. if you can get a few more bucks, I mean, I guess they have to do After it. After they make a deal with somebody? The person that took your two Gs and then called back about some So let me ask you a worse. question. If it behooves them, Scott, yes, it does. to make a deal, if they can get a few more bucks, at what point in the process... Before I actually drive off in the new car, yeah. can they still do that? When I'm in the financial guy's office signing documents, can they come in and say, oh, stop, we found another person? <laughs> Is it? I mean, yeah. where, well, somewhere, on way home somewhere, the there's a, somewhere there's a line where, okay, we can no longer sell this car to somebody else. It's Mitch's car. You're on the road. Hey, can you bring that car back real yeah. quick? I think I'm at can. like I'm two exits down I-405. Hey, we found another buyer. Right. Bring it back. Yeah, I don't know. Where, where, where is the point where there's no return? Yeah. You've, well, I think once you're signing documents, really? you're probably okay. in at that point. By the way, quick story my friend told me. It's not funny, but I just, it, you know, they always want you to get that, the, the gap insurance. Yes. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. He said he, he sold a brand new Dodge Challenger to the, this woman. She didn't get the gap insurance. She's like, I'll handle it later. Pulls out of the lot and gets <laughs> T-boned. Oh, no. Comes running back and crying like, okay, oh, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. <laughs> He's like, I'm sorry, I can't do it now. I mean, this car's destroyed. Oh, no. Anyway, I'm just like that story. Just, so I was like, fine, I'll do it, I'll do it. I'll just do whatever you tell me. Three interviews and then the other stuff segment with Mitch and Scott. Mitch Unfiltered. I don't know much, but I know this. It takes a lot longer for summer to arrive in the Northwest than Zeke's Pizza to your door. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Black, the president of Zeke's Pizza. Hiya, Dan. What's new in the Zeke's Pizza world these days? Yeah, no kidding. Only takes us 30 minutes. Takes summer a lot longer. <laughs> uh, lots of new stuff in the Zeke's world. You and I tend to talk about new store openings a lot, and we got a good one coming up at the end of July. We're opening at Terrace Station, which is a transit-oriented development right off I-5 up in Mount Lake Terrace, kind of north of 205th. And it is going to be a really cool restaurant. It's really big. It's a full-blown pizza pub. It's got a huge outdoor patio. It's going to be a cool spot. Nice. And what pizza is Dan Black and the Black family focusing on these days? <laughs> we are eating nothing but pepperoni right nice. now. It's because we have this great new locally sourced pepperoni that we're putting on all of our pizzas. We just switched over. Local company called Coro. They used to be Salumi. You know, we typically don't do local just for the sake of local. We end up doing a lot of local stuff because it tastes better. We want as much of our purchasing power to go into flavor as opposed to transportation. And so we end up local a lot and it feels good to be doing it on the pepperoni because it noticeably tastes a lot better. So we've been eating a lot of it. Of course, we like doing business with our friends and family and neighbors and stuff uh, when we can. And so, yeah, it's been all pepperoni all the time for the black family lately. I'm not a huge drinker, but I'm very much aware of your Northwest beer selection, Dan. Tell me about Z-Side Frozen IPA. Yeah, as, as you know, Mitch, we do a lot of what we call collab beers, and that's that's when we partner with local breweries, and they, they brew a batch of beer that basically is exclusively Zeke's. And so at any given time, we have three or four really great Northwest beers on that you can only get at Zeke's. It's kind of what's special about us. But this summer, our flagship is Z-Side Frozen IPA. We're doing it with Fremont Brewing. Almost everybody knows who Fremont is. They're one of the biggest 
uh, breweries in the Northwest. They have that great outdoor beer garden that everybody loves. And they, you know, they just brew great beer. Z side, it's a light drinking summer IPA. It was made with an experimental hop that they froze at the time of harvest last fall. Mm -hmm. And so it tastes really fresh and is really light drinking, really good for summer. Man, a lot of good things going on at Zeke's Pizza these days. We really appreciate their support back in the radio days and now on the podcast, Mitch Unfiltered. We love them. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Terry Strada is the person, of course, who wrote this letter, and her husband got on the, the plane in Boston that flew into the uh, into the World Trade Center. Um, and they say the deaths of your fellow Americans. No, I've read all that. Is there okay. a question in there? Yes, there is. Um, how do you explain to them, not to us, but to them, what you've decided to do? I would say to um, the Strada family, I would say to everyone that um, has lost loved ones, lost friends in 9-11, that I have deep, deep empathy for them. Hard to believe or even get your arms around the fact that it's been nearly 21 years since the worst day in American history, September 11, 2001. Our next guest lost her husband, Tom, that day on the 104th floor, North Tower, I believe, World Trade Center. She's the national chair of the 9-11 family and Survivors United for Justice Against Terrorism, Terry Strada. Terry, thank you for working us into your very hectic schedule the last couple of days. Well, thank you so much for inviting me on. How are you doing? How are your kids? I was looking at old pictures. They must be all grown up now. You had a newborn in 2001. Yes, that's correct. My youngest was four days old on September 11th, and the other two were seven and four. Uh, so, yeah, they're young adults, and everybody is doing their best and managing their lives as best they can. For me, I was just hosting a sports radio show at 530 in the morning Seattle time when it all happened, and it still feels so fresh. I can't even begin to imagine how it feels for you. So little accountability over the last 20 years. That's absolutely right. No accountability, zero, no remorse, and not even um, a full account of the events. Everything's been buried over the years, and it's been a very difficult situation to live with. You spoke to Tom after the plane had struck his building, I believe. And over these last 21 years, you've described that conversation as both a blessing and a curse. In your heart, in your heart of hearts, was it the best thing looking back upon it? I know it was the best thing for him. I know that by reaching me, which he was so desperate to do, you could tell by his voice when he called that it's definitely what he needed was to make contact with home. For me, it's still painful because that is the last conversation I had with him. And it was full of fear, terror, and not knowing what was going to happen next. And how have you dealt with that memory, that nightmarish memory of that call the last many years, Terry? Like I've tried to deal with everything since then. Um, you know, I can't change it. So accept it and just try to move on. We've invited you on because of the awful decision by professional golfers to partner up with the Saudis 
But before we get there, Terry, I and our audience would love to know how everyone in the group, the 9-11 families group, how's everybody doing and what have you guys been up to? These last few years uh, on a whole, you know, there's about 10,000 members in this organization. Uh, I would say that everybody is at different places at different times with their grief path and their healing. So I can't really speak for everybody. I've seen people doing, you know, as I think we're all doing the best we can. You know, that's just got to be the answer. There's good days, bad days. You know, life becomes bittersweet instead of always sweet. You know, every celebration, you're missing your loved one, every challenge that you have, um, every other death that you're experiencing brings back all of it. So it's not an easy thing to live with, but we're all managing. And as a group, what are you guys doing? Tell everybody. Right. So for the last 20 years, um, we've most of us have been involved in a lawsuit against the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and some other entities for the role that they played in murdering our loved ones and injuring, you know, thousands more. The evidence that we've seen almost always leads us back to the kingdom. And that's why we are doggedly pursuing the kingdom in the U.S. courts. We've had a lot of difficulties over the years. We've had to overcome a lot of hurdles. This has not been an easy lawsuit to partake in because the kingdom plays, well, they don't play by the rules and they are very... um, they're ruthless and they don't have a conscience and they're not moral people and they don't conduct themselves that way. So we've had a very difficult time bringing them into the courtroom. It took years and years of fighting uh, in Congress to get a piece of legislation passed called the Justice Against Sponsors of Terrorism Act. And what that does is now allow any victim of a terrorist attack on American soil to bring any nation into a courtroom if there's evidence against them. And it took seven years to enact that legislation. I personally involved myself for four years in it, uh, traveling back and forth to D.C., leaving my children at home. I am a single mom. I was a single mom. And none of that was easy. And all of it is to just try to evade the truth. And the truth is that the kingdom of Saudi Arabia wasn't just that 15 of the 19 hijackers are Saudi. It's not just that Osama bin Laden is a Saudi national. It's much more than that. We know that there was a support network put in place in this country prior to the attacks to meet and greet the hijackers. And now we know because of President Biden's executive order that he signed last September um, asking for a declass or demanding a declassification review of all the documents that our U.S. intelligence agencies have uh, did all these investigations against the Saudi secret investigations. One was called Operation Encore. It went on for 10 years and it was a secret. I mean, our own government has been just as difficult at times as the Saudis with us trying to obtain justice. So within these documents that have just recently been released, we now know that it was Saudi nationals that set up the support network and it was Saudi nationals with diplomatic credentials. It was Saudi nationals on the payroll of the kingdom. And they sent them here and they set up this very toxic anti-American pro-jihadist uh, program within the United States. And it ran it through the embassy in Washington, D.C., through the Ministry of Islamic Affairs. That's a branch of the Saudi government. And they also ran it through the consulate, a consulate out in Los Angeles. And these diplomats that I'm speaking of, we now know their names. They also were speaking to al-Qaeda operatives. At the same time, they were talking to the handlers that they hired to handle the hijackers. 
Uh, we also know that Prince Bandar, he was the ambassador to the United States at the time. He was actually paying directly one of these handlers. Money was going through his wife's bank account out to the hijackers. So there's no more denying it, right? The kingdom has denied it over the years, always going back to the 9-11 Commission report saying that they were exonerated, which is not true, and saying that there was not enough evidence. There was not enough evidence back then, but now there is, and it's out there, and you can't deny it any longer, and it needs to be dealt with. They need to come to a full disclosure of everything and deal with the 9-11 families. Is there any light at the end of the tunnel, or is this, do you fear, and do people, members of your group fear that this is an endless cycle, that this will go on and on and on forever, Terry? No, I don't believe it'll go on and on because I believe this evidence cannot be ignored. Uh, it hasn't been out there that long. So we know that the president is going over to Saudi Arabia next month, and we are pushing very hard that this becomes something that they talk about when they sit down together. The kingdom has always been asking how the, we can get rid of the lawsuit. And the way you get rid of the lawsuit is you have to deal with the evidence that's been you know, revealed now. So many prominent golfers, as you know, Terry, have decided to partner up with the Saudis for enormous amounts of money, a regime, as you point out, that's not only responsible for the 15 of the 19 hijackers on September 11th, but much more than that. You and your group sent a handful of letters, as I understand it, correspondences to some of these players like Phil Mickelson. Have you heard back from anyone? And if you have, share with us what you've heard back. Uh, no, I have not heard back from any player that we wrote to, any player that's gone over to the Live Tournament. It's disappointing, you know, how they've treated the whole thing. They just ignored you. Oh, yes. They've ignored us. I guess Phil was asked something in a press conference. I watched it. He offered some, you know, sympathy. But when he was asked more about his participation in the Live Tournament, <laughs> basically at the end of being hounded, just said it's for the money. Can you characterize your letter? Was it the same letter to all of them? And was it, um, would you say, the tenor, the tone of the letter? Was it antagonistic? Was it understanding? Was it, can you just explain? Give us a sense of what the letter was all about, Terry. Yeah, the letter was, we were disappointed in their decision, accusing them of betraying the 9-11 community and their countrymen because of the role that the kingdom played in murdering so many people on 9-11. We were brutally attacked. Our country was brutally attacked. I'm a patriot. I love America. I would stand up for America you know, any day of the year. And this is turning your back on United States citizens and our country. We tried to point out to them that the kingdom was much more involved in 9-11 than they probably are aware. Mm -hmm. And knowing that, would they ever reconsider their decision? and that they are hurting us because we're calling it sports washing. We're calling it what it is. That if you are trying now to, to partner up with the Saudis, which is very different than doing business with the Saudis, because now you are a partner with them and you are partaking in their desire to have respect on the world stage, which at this point they don't deserve. You don't buy respect, you have to earn it. And rather than earn respect, the kingdom thinks that they can just now buy this golf league and these golfers and that everybody will think, oh, you know, they're, they're so much better than they are and, and pay attention to this over instead of paying attention to the atrocities that they've committed on American soil. And so we're shocked that these players aren't more receptive to this anguish that we feel. But 
so far. No, we've how heard nothing pl- from any of them. How many players did you send it to? It went to four players originally. Um, so it went out before the tournament began in London. And now there's several more that have joined on. So we're really right now, nobody's really paying attention. Uh, I believe one of them called it a good business plan. I'm trying to point out that that sounds ridiculous because we all know the format of live. I'm sure you do, right? Yes. That it's nothing more than exhibition games. If you put together a bunch of players and they're going to play each other eight times. It's ridiculous to even give it time more than it's just about the money. I mean, there's a, a lot of money. And I think one golfer said it's generational wealth. It's my family. It's my family's family. And that's what this is all about. What makes me, I, I mean, I, so much of this irritates me and irritates not the right word, angers me just to hear you say that they just didn't even have the the class and dignity to at least write you guys back or reach out to you guys to learn a little bit more makes it even worse than it already is. You said after Phil Mickelson's press conference that you just referred to, Phil knows exactly what he's doing and he and his fellow LIV golfers should be ashamed. They are helping the Saudi regime sports wash their reputation in return of tens of millions of dollars, actually it's hundreds, at the very You're same right. time our government is rolling out more damning evidence of Saudi culpability in the 9-11 tax. As the PGA Tour commissioner said Sunday, you'd have to be living under a rock to not understand the implications of involving yourself with the Saudis. That Those are your words after Phil Mickelson's press conference. What's on a smaller scale, this has been going on for a long time, I'm wondering about your knowledge of sports and, you know, there've been golf tournaments there where fees have been paid. There have been auto races. There's been soccer matches. Has your group bristled allowed before at these sports events or not so much? No, not so much because there's a difference between hosting an event and players going over there. Do I like it? No. no. Do I wish nobody would do business with the Saudis? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I can't control all of that. But what's happening here with the live tournament is very different when you are buying an entire entity to go up against the PGA and to poach players. So they're lying. And that's really what the kingdom is, does best. They lie. And I found Greg Norman to be maybe even more insulting Awful. than the players because Awful. he is just thinks this is fine and great. And he, he just doesn't hear anything that anybody else is trying to tell him. Uh, awful is right. That's putting it nicely. So I'm just so really disgusted with these people and so disappointed in them that they aren't understanding how egregious it is to treat everybody that's been hurt by the kingdom like we don't even exist. Yeah. All of us have focused our vitriol towards the players, the already wealthy players, but there are so many others that really need to be called out too. out here. I'm in Seattle. Um, in, in the Northwest in Portland, a club called Pumpkin Ridge is going to host the next live event on American soil, which is unimaginable to me. I said on a recent podcast, look, it's a, it's a golf club. It's a country club. If I became aware that I'm hurting or antagonizing or upsetting families of nine 11 victims, it's a non-starter. I rip up the contract. I'm not hosting that event. I'm not going to risk that hurt for a golf tournament. They're taking the money and hosting the event right here in Portland, Oregon. The New York Times, the New York Times took money for back page ads, I understand it, this last week from Liv. So everywhere you turn, Terry, 
somebody else is benefiting financially from a group of people that just have the most atrocious kind of outlook on on human life that you can have. I agree with you, you know, and they're just turning that knife a little bit more each and every time they agree to taking the Saudis money over, you know, like you just said, the pain and suffering of the victims of 9-11 and the survivors that still have, you know, injuries that they're lifetime injuries that they're going to live with. So everybody feels like a traitor to us. We don't understand it at all, except like you say, it's the money, right? And people keep saying, well, it's the money, but there's also a morality here and there's right and wrong. And these people are choosing the wrong decision and they're making amoral decisions. And is that really your legacy that you want now? I mean, I'd like to know what these golfers think of the children that are watching all of this. What is the message you're sending out to youth that really are looking up to you that it's okay to just take money and, and nothing else matters when you've already made millions of dollars and you have millions of dollars that now you have to have hundreds of millions of dollars. It's unbelievable that they've turned their back on the PGA, the very tour that gave them their fame and the money that they do have and all of the success. And they've traded it away for what money? Terry, let me ask you a last question. It's a difficult one, and it might be a silly one, but I've been known to ask silly questions over the last 30 years, so you'll have to accept that. What if these American golfers that have signed contracts with these deplorable people decide to band together and share a sizable portion of this money with the 9-11 families? And judging by the fact that they're ignoring your letters, it becomes even a sillier question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Would the 9-11 families in group welcome that or not? That's hard for me to answer at at the group, you know, because without canvassing and talking about it, uh, no, really. I I imagine some people would say yes and some would say no. If the event is still, if the tour is still whitewashing, I I don't know, would I be as bad as them taking some money? Yes, that's, that's why I asked the question. Yes. Yeah. Would it, yeah be, so would, it, probably, would it be the same dirty money that we're accusing these golfers of taking? Pretty much. I believe so. Yeah, yeah I agree. Terry, um, there's not much that any of us can say that have not been tied to 9-11 specifically and directly with our families, except I hope that healing continues. I hope those kids of yours, that newborn, that four-day-old, who's now, what, 20 Going to be 20. 20, 20 years old. Unbelievable. I hope that they're all well, healthy, and thriving. And I wish you back in my home state all the very best, as I do to all the 9-11 families that are in your group. Thank you so, so much for sharing, what, 20, 25 minutes with us here on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you, Terry. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's time to check back in with John Waterstrat of Fireside Home Solutions. He's back with us. Fireplaces, garage doors, you name it. How goes it over there, John? It's doing great. Uh, We've had to get through this mucky weather like you know, Mitch, but it looks like the sun's popping back out. Things are starting to shine a little bit more. Like everywhere else, you and I have been talking about the wait times for non-stock orders because of the shipping issue that everybody has. Are you seeing any improvement on that end? We definitely have seen some improvement. I can't say it's going to be quick 
but uh, it has improved. And uh, our manufacturers have done a wonderful job of just looking at their processes, looking at what we're going through right now, these shortages, and, and doing a good job to get lead times down. And what do you think they are? Uh, sometimes it depends. Like I said, we always have the stock list and we can talk about that. But uh, we also have some things that are on longer lead times. But instead of waiting 30 weeks, we've kind of shrunk that down maybe to 18 to 20 weeks. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's not short, but it's gotten better. But there's always that option of purchasing and installing a unit that's in your inventory, which is what we did here at the Levy household. So let's walk through that for a second. The Fireside Home Solutions team comes to your home free of charge. They look at your space, analyze and listen to your needs. Then we visit one of your many showrooms in the Pacific Northwest. Yep. Just talk to your sales rep. We'll come out to your house. We'll look at what you want and then just let your sales rep know. Is it speed that you need? If you need that, we'll get the stock list together. We'll find something that works and we can get that installed in about three weeks. If you have some time, let us know and we can get exactly what you want. And we just have to be patient, just like in any any order that we're talking about with these longer lead times. Perfect. A few years ago, you guys wandered into the garage door market too. How's that been going? Because I'm hearing about some exciting things coming down the line. Yeah, it's been great. We've continued to grow that business. And uh, here in the fall, we're going to go ahead and open a showroom in Tacoma. It's going to help nice. the South Sound areas. And it's going to be really nice to be able to have Bellevue, Auburn, and Tacoma and just be able to help those customers in Pacific Northwest. That's awesome. Now, before you go, you have to tell our audience where you were for the first time in the middle of April and what you thought. Oh, uh, I got to have that bucket list checked off and I was able to get to go Augusta. Pretty awesome. Awesome to watch Scotty Seffler uh, hit some great shots, but the course is just a special place. Well, I'll say it then. We love Fireside Home Solutions, a tradition unlike any other and a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Hey, it's great to have Daniel CEO Lindsey Schwartz back with us on Mitch Unfiltered despite his complaints that my questions are too long. Lindsay, how's everything at Daniels? How was June, a month of celebration? Hey, Mitch, great to be back. Yeah, you know what? I, uh, I'm i used to the long questions, so I can handle it. It's all good. June is great. You know that we're all about celebrations at Daniels and lots of opportunities to celebrate in June. Kind of starts out with proms, goes into graduations and Father's Day. It's just great to see families celebrating, young people celebrating. June is a special month for us. One of the underrated layers and elements to Daniel's broiler is summertime on the outside decks and seating, and you offer options at all of your locations. Yeah, I think what, what's great about Daniel's and, and one of the reasons we've been around so long is the locations that we have. There's three great locations with outdoor seating. You got Daniel's Leshi with views of Lake Washington and Mount Rainier. You got Bellevue up top looking over Lake Washington at the Seattle skyline and Lake Union. You see the, the seaplanes, you see the sailboats, lots of great things to see in the summertime here. Yes, and I apologize in advance about my last question, which will be lengthy. But Max Levy, who buses at South Lake Union and loves it there, loves all of his co-workers, at times complains that Bellevue has an unfair advantage by the name of Jim Washburn. Tell everybody in our audience who Jim Washburn is, Lindsay. Yeah, it's true. It does have an unfair advantage, and we're so lucky to have Jim Washburn. He's the piano player at Daniels Bellevue, and if you can believe this, he's been with us for over 30 years. He's been entertaining people for over three decades. He's there Thursdays through Saturdays from 7 to 11 p.m., 
People have been coming to see him for years and years. Everybody loves him, young and old. He's one of the few guys who's been around as long as you and I have. And uh, for those who haven't seen him, get up there and see him because it's, it's a real treat. Summertime at Daniels, outside seating, all kinds of special opportunities. We love Daniels Broiler, a great partner since back in the radio days. Daniels Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. Lumen Field will be hosting matches in the World Cup in 2026. A chance for this city to showcase itself and how strong a soccer culture we have here in the biggest World Cup in history. The event is expanding to 48 countries from 32 countries in 2026. No word yet on how many matches Seattle will host, but the prevailing thought is at least three of them. Big news announced a couple of weeks back, especially if you're a soccer fan in the Northwest. The World Cup is apparently coming to Seattle in 2026. You know me. I don't understand any of this. So I fall backwards and former voice of the Sounders. He should still be the voice of the Sounders, if you ask me. Matt Stretch Johnson catches me as I fall. Stretchy. I'm always here for you, Mitchie. Always. Stretchy, we love you. Three countries, U.S., Mexico, and Canada. What is it, August 2026? August, July, November, when? Oh, it's usually in June. Oh. Well, we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, it's in June. It lasts about 32, 35 days. Yeah. It'll be 16 host cities. It's it's very exciting and, and really not to get ahead of ourselves. It again puts Seattle on the world map now as it pertains to a soccer power in all seriousness. Yeah, but this, you're going to tell me how big this is for Seattle, and I get it. But it feels like a no-brainer to me. There's 16 cities that are hosting these games, as I understand it. There's 11 cities in the United States. To me, there's no chance that they would ever exclude Seattle in 11 cities. Isn't Seattle the most rabid soccer city in America these days or not? Oh, oh I don't think there's any argument. I, okay, so what is your thought is that it's anticlimactic, the announcement? I, I think you're right. Seattle is a no-brainer. I mean, if if Denver and Nashville, they're kind of frustrated that they didn't get they didn't get a bid accepted. I mean, whatever. But yeah, Seattle is a no brainer, but it's also because of the work and and the the passionate fans that have shown up since two thousand nine and prior for the last forty five, fifty years for the Sounders. Yeah. But yeah, this is a soccer hotbed for sure. It is. Atlanta Atlanta ha- averages more uh fans per game. But uh, and they were also granted uh, to be a host city. But yeah, Seattle is an absolute no-brainer. But it just it just stamps the fact that we are. It, it just stamps the fact, and it's an exciting time for fans not only in Seattle but the West Coast because all the close venues. Stretchy, are we getting the championship game in the semifinals, or are we getting Fakakta pool play? What? What? I, I, no. I want the whole thing. <laughs> I want the whole enchilada. I, I would say that New York City and L.A. So the Rams and Chargers home and then MetLife back in New York. They're, they're leading the pack for, for the final, for sure. That's Why? where the final will be. Why? I want the fight. Why shouldn't the final be in the number You've one? You've been to New York city. <laughs> I have. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll leave it right at that. That's okay. That's my best uh, lawyer defense right there. Yeah. So what are we getting? What are we getting in June, in June of 2026? Are we getting, Pool play. How many games do? How do we know? Are we going to get the United States team? Any chance that the U.S. team 
We'll play in Seattle, or I, we don't know. We have no idea. I just, I just love you. I, I just love I don't you. know. I well, don't because, know. Well, because these these things haven't been announced. What okay. what it is going to be is it's going to be regional, and it will be a group, and the group will be playing in Vancouver and Seattle. And so what they want to oh. do, because if, if you're playing in Vancouver and then you're in Guadalajara or Monterey, Mexico, obviously there's a disadvantage for travel. So they want to make it regional so these teams don't have to travel as much. So we will be a group city along with Vancouver. And I don't know if that'll extend down. I don't think it will because L.A. and uh, San Francisco or Santa Clara will have their own group. So the group hasn't been decided because there's teams that still have to be decided. Everyone's got to qualify and go from there. So the fixtures, as we say, the times, dates, and the teams haven't been decided yet. I mean, there's still got a World Cup here in December in Qatar, but the thought that you have group play in Seattle at Lumen Field, world-class, the worst game I ever went to was in Korea, and it was South Africa versus Slovenia, I believe. Slovenia versus, I want to say South Africa or Costa Rica, and it was poor, but you're still at a World Cup match. So the, the bar isn't going to be that low. It's still international soccer. It's the best players in that country playing. So the teams haven't been decided. The groups haven't been decided. But it's still, it, it's still a massive deal to see World Cup soccer in your hometown. See, people don't understand that Stretchy's very excited about this. He and his brother actually travel. How many have you gone to, Stretch? I've been to eight. I've been to the last eight. This wow. December... We're headed to Qatar oh. the Saturday after Thanksgiving for my You're ninth excited. consecutive. This is very exciting oh for you. This is this is very oh, exciting. Yeah. I, I got to read you something about Qatar here in a second. I got a little something <laughs> for you. I got to I yeah. got to give you fair warning about Qatar here before you and your brother head out. But before I do this, is there any kind of a rule that guarantees the host countries a spot? Am I, am I, I, I don't know. Yes. I, I'm conditioned to think that U.S. isn't very good in soccer. So is there any kind of a chance that the U.S. won't even have a team in the, in the World Cup in 2026 when they play it here or no? That's a great question because in the past it is, a, it, it is a guarantee. Yeah. One of your good questions this week. <laughs> um, it, it is a guarantee. So every host country has been, has qual- automatically qualified. Except for this tournament has yet to decide if all three, Canada, U.S., and Mexico, which are obviously in the same regional. We've talked about this in the past. They're in the CONCACAF region. So would all three then qualify for for this tournament? What about Costa Rica? What about if Panama makes a run? What happens to the other CONCACAF teams? Do they, how do they qualify if three are already automatically in? But yes, the answer is, it's always been an automatic qualifier. Now it's a three-nation uh, setup. That decision hasn't been made yet. So it's 2022. Do we have any way of knowing what kind of a team the U.S. will have in four years from now? I mean, do we? Uh, it seems like it's progressing in the right direction, so maybe they don't even need the automatic qualifier. Well, correct. I, I would say that in Mexico, but Canada is on the up and up also. Oh. I would say the U.S. hit rock bottom by not qualifying for the last World Cup, and so they are, their momentum is on the upswing. Lots of young talent. Nice. This is actually what they're aiming for. They're aiming for to make a deep run in this 2026 World Cup. I'd be shocked if they didn't uh, move to the round of uh, the knockout round here in December with their group that they have in Qatar. So 
you build on that success. And I would say that a quarterfinal placing in 2026 is, is very feasible. Dretchy, you're so excited for this. I love talking to you about it. You're so oh, excited. <laughs> I'm so jacked up. I mean, you go, you go to countries, you don't know the train system. You don't know subways. I mean, I'm just going to get on Alaska airlines and go to as many games as I want. You know, right. you, you have the West coast. You now have Vancouver who popped in at the last second, easy to get to great venue, Seattle at Lumen field, obviously, but then you go down to LA, Santa Clara, there's your four. You go back East, you have Philadelphia, Boston, and New York, yeah. and you're seeing as yeah. many games as you want. And, and I just jotted down that all the stadiums in the U S have at least 64,000 because they're all football stadiums and nine of them have at least 68,000 capacity or more. So I've gone to countries, Korea. I mean, there were stadiums with 42,000, 44,000 other parts of the world. They were granted smaller stadiums and, and I'll be honest, tickets are a bitch. It's tough to get a ticket. Even in Russia, there were a couple small venues, but, but with these large venues and you're in your backyard, you know, yeah. the, you know, you drive to Vancouver one morning, you see a game, you either you spend the night or you go out on Robson street that night and you come home the next day. So the, the venues and for soccer fans all across the West coast, I mean, this is, yeah, I get it. I, I probably won't go to Miami or, you know, and then the heat in Kansas city or huge, so on and so forth. But with the West coast here and then swing back East and see some games back East, it's, I'm incredibly excited. Incredibly excited. I can tell. What's it cost you to go to these? I mean, this has got to be the least expensive. 2026 will be the cheapest World Cup travel that you and your brother ever do. Probably. What's it going to cost you? Probably. What's it going to cost you to go to Qatar this year? Yeah, I don't really want to talk about it right now. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Tell us. How much? How much? Well, you know, there's a flight. There's a flight straight to Doha from Seattle. That's about twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you, the one that kicked our butt was Germany. Everything was expensive. I destroyed a credit card in in Germany. Oh, I destroyed boy. a credit card. It was the the games were expensive to get into. They were, boy, they were at least five hundred a game to get into. The, the World Cup was amazing, but Berlin was expensive. Wow. Um, e- even the small city, the Gelsenkirchen, where we were and kind of made home base, expensive hotels. But you start buying things early, right? So you buy the flight early. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're looking at the lodging. So you kind of, you don't want to look at the final total. You want to do it in parts. <laughs> so you you want to buy... You want to buy the flight that went from, I don't know where the heck we went, Chicago straight into Frankfurt. You want to buy that about a year out. So you don't include that price. Yeah. Oh, I and then see. I see. <laughs> and then my brother, yeah, then my brother and I have always, this started in France when we went to our first one abroad in 98, you buy the hotel for the first night and the last night. So you take care of that. And then everything in between you pay, you know, you're over there and you put it on a credit card. That's your final bill. Oh, and then you bring some oh, cash. So, boy. you know, it's, it's every four years. I told you the story years ago that we're coming home for 94. I'm hung over. I'm really hung over on the flight and I'm leaning against the window, sound asleep. And my brother nudges me. And this is Monday after the final. And he says, uh, Hey, Hey, dummy. Hey, Dinkus. Hey, dummy. I said, what, what? And he said, uh, let's just do this every four years. Yeah. Yeah, and I went, oh, okay. And I fell back asleep and that's the plan. So you just, 
you kind of budget it and you kind of look at, you know, and we're making a little more money than it was in 94 when I was probably living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. But what have you? So you just, you just know you're going and you, you're just buying the flights and it's so much easier now to buy hotels or rent rooms online and things like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a blast. And again, we're still planning Qatar because it's, it's funky the way that's set up, but we're not worried about it. We'll get there. It'll be a great time. And then 2026 will bring it on. It's funny. You tell that story. That's a very similar story to the way the trips with my dad started. I don't know if I've, did Mm -hmm. I ever tell you the story of how that's, how it began that my father and I went to these Syracuse tournament games. Did I ever tell you that story? No. Was that big East at first or, or no, everything, uh, the big boy, no, the big boy, the big boy. So it's 1989. And I'm a senior at Syracuse, and the athletic director gives me tickets because I was working on the women's games, getting them on radio. The mm-hmm. AD was appreciative, and he gives it Jake Crowdamo, and he gives me tickets to go see Syracuse's men's team play in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight in Minneapolis, Minnesota in March. Oh, outstanding. Okay? So I call my dad, who was a, a, a huge fan, even though I didn't go to Syracuse. I call him in Florida, and I say, Dad... It's March of 89. Do you want to go this week? Want to meet me this week in Minneapolis and go <laughs> yeah. to the Sweet 16? That was the only way I was going to be able to get there. He'd have to buy my plane. I didn't have any money to buy a plane ticket. And, he, sure. and I think his answer was, and I hate to say this, but I think his answer was, why the fuck would I want to go to Minneapolis, <laughs> Minnesota in March? Yeah, in the Metrodome, probably, right? That's it's right. Or, that's right. That's right. Yeah. He's he's yeah. in he's in 78 degree temperatures in Florida. Why do I want to go to Minneapolis and, and freeze my ass off when I can watch the games on TV? So I Dummy. so I said to him, because you could see your son. Oh gosh, you played the sun card. I played the sun card and the and the phone went quiet. And about five seconds he said, five seconds later, he said, Okay, I'll meet you there. <laughs> what? Where do you go? And where? How do I go? Yeah. What, what do you want me to do? So we meet there in Minneapolis in 1989. They uh, they play in the Sweet 16. They win. This is the year I think that the the Kingdom hosted the Final Four. By the way, sure, Michigan, uh, Michigan Seton Hall. Right. The team that came from our region was Illinois. Syracuse played Illinois yeah. in the yeah. uh, in the Elite Eight in Minneapolis. We had a great time. We froze our asses off. We had a great yeah. time. My father and I go back to the airport after the the Elite Eight game. I'm flying back to Syracuse. He's flying back to Balmy, Florida. And he looks to me and he says, you know, I had a great time. Let's do this again next year. Yeah, like, awesome. Like your brother said to you on the plane, and that started 25 straight years. We did Big yeah. East and we did NCAA, and it all started – on a trip that he didn't even want to go to, but he had a good time. So same. Yeah. Spontaneous. Same yeah. Yep, you, yep. Yeah. We're going to do this again. Yeah. I have to read something to you. I need to read something yeah. to you. I'm reading straight from the internet and you know that everything on the internet is true. I'm reading straight for the internet. This is for you and your, you, this is for you, not your brother. This is for you. Okay? I have a feeling. I know what you're going to read. <laughs> no, you know, you have no idea. The up <laughs> is it, is it FIFA or FIFA? How do I say that? FIFA. Okay. FIFA. The upcoming FIFA World Cup 2022 has been marred with controversies even before the start of the showpiece event in Qatar. The host nation has been slammed by many over allegations of mistreatment of construction workers and their systematic abuse. Qatar also is one of the few countries in the world 
with homophobic laws and some other stringent rules that can prove to be troublesome for fans from across the globe who, <laughs> who plan to travel to the country for the FIFA World Cup this year. I, I, I kid you not. Here's what it says. Fans can face up to seven years in jail if they're caught having a one-night stand in Qatar during the FIFA World Cup 2022. The host nation has a strict law in place which bans having sex without marriage in their country. While the Qatari citizens are already accustomed to the laws and regulations, those traveling to the country to watch the World Cup will have to ensure they are familiar with the laws of the land. <laughs> Seven years for a one-night stand. Stretch. I, yeah, I heard this story yesterday, and I guess not only is it real, but the least amount that they would reduce it, you are actually going to at least do 365 days in prison. You will do a year in prison if caught and I asked my buddy yesterday, he just brought this up. I said, so who's telling on who? I mean, if the girl's not, if the girl's not satisfied, does she go to the authorities and oh. say, I just wasted my time with Matt Johnson because he's 53 years old. He doesn't have it anymore. I mean, <laughs> who gets pissed off and tells the authorities? Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bad news. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty straight. That's a pretty straight issue there. I mean, you'd really have to put the category under, was it worth it? Oh. You know, you're sitting in jail three months later, like, man, what's it? I mean, I really, really loved meeting Bethany, but was it worth it? <laughs> Bethany. <laughs> <laughs> so you never know. Um, uh, well, usually I, I'm with my brother, and we don't get in that much trouble. I don't really do that much nightlife. We, but uh, as we say, that's a wrinkle. That's a wrinkle. <laughs> so, All right, 2020, 2026 in Seattle. The World Cup comes to Seattle. I'm reading Hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe $100 million into the economy, tens of thousands of new jobs, all because of the 2026 World Cup here at Lumen Field. Does it matter whether the U.S. team plays here or not? It's going to be great oh, no matter what. It doesn't matter. It no? would be very, very exciting. Oh, yeah, the okay. U.S. has played at Lumen Field before, and it's a packed house. And, uh, yeah, that just ramps it up uh, 100 times. It's to go see your, the, your own country. You know, we already have tickets in Qatar for U.S. Iran, and we're just so excited. Yeah, to see your own country, it just it, it takes it up another level. But you know, who knows? You know, that's that's up to FIFA and the whole the arranging of it. You know, maybe they want to put it in L.A. or New York or yeah. however. Yeah. You know, FIFA is the king of how they can capitalize. Right. Of so, course. Like everybody uh, else. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that'd be awesome. I mean, it would be tough if we got just we call them minnows. You know, if it really small, if Morocco came here or two, three small countries, that'd be a bummer. But again, you're seeing World Cup uh, action. And I'll, I'll say it again. I'll say it again. They got to take care of Seattle somehow, some way. They got to give Seattle an edge over the other 11 cities because Seattle has proven itself as the top, most rabid, 
U.S. city when it comes to soccer over the last several years. So they've got to throw a bone, as my mom would say. they got to throw a bone our way, and maybe, and if they're not going to give us the championship games in the semifinals because we're not a big enough city, at least give us the U.S. team. At least at least give us a good draw of teams in Seattle, right? Yeah, I was going to say a three-team group, let's say, what if you got Brazil? What if you got Argentina, right. France, right. Germany, England? I'd go. Yeah, it's I'd go. Take yeah. me. I'll go yeah. with you and your brother. In fact, <laughs> tickets for four. You, me, your brother, and Bethany. We're all going, okay? <laughs> Bethany will be scarred after the World <laughs> Cup in Qatar. She's going to be a one and done after her trip to the Middle East. Now, hold on. Does, um, she, does she go to jail too or just you that goes to jail after you and Bethany get together? Who goes to well, jail? Well, you know, <laughs> read that. I think both go. Okay. I mean, it's not just the male. Yeah, okay. uh, I, I think you both go. You got a one-night stand. You got two people involved. <laughs> so I, I think you, you both go, and I don't think you get to visit each other while you're in jail for that amount of time. Oh, God. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. Uh Seattle, I would think, you know, like I read the attendance, you know, all these stadiums are massive. So it's not like if FIFA put a team here, they didn't think Seattle deserved Brazil or Argentina. There's no reasoning for that because it would be a sold out event. The hotels are going to be packed. You need the infrastructure. These, these countries travel, you know, like any college, college basketball, Syracuse basketball travels, right? The fans travel. These countries in South America travel. This is their biggest event every four years. And so you have to have the cities that can support through hotels. Seattle's got it. LA's got it. San Francisco, Santa Clara. So there is no disadvantage to put a massive team here in in Seattle. And why not? And and we talked after Seattle won um, the CONCACAF Champions League. I mean, this team, this city, uh, through the Sounders, Adrian Hanauer, they're on the map. So it's not like you're being dismissed. It's not like you're being compared to Houston or Dallas as it pertains to a to a um, soccer city. Seattle's not as big, but as a soccer city, it's much bigger, mm. much bigger than these huge mm. cities in America. So they do have that advantage. Can you imagine Jimmy's on first? It's going to be hopping. Jimmy's on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, anything. Yeah. <laughs> Anything, anything. Uh, I, I was downtown recently, and that's a different subject. So anything to infuse some <laughs> some dollars and some energy into downtown now, oh, uh, even if it's a few years a few years away, it would be exciting. But yeah, it's it's an awesome it's an awesome decision. It's an awesome event coming up, and jacked up, fired up, as they say. Stretchy, I love you. Thank you, thank you for doing this. Have fun in Qatar and tell Bethany I said hello, okay? You know it. Great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. I'm your soccer guy now. Yes, I I'm am. I'm your soccer guy, Mitchie. Yes, so I am. Always good to hear your voice. Thanks for having me. Boy, it's been a tough few months for our 401k plans, hasn't it? Here's Katie Versio of Evergreen Golf Call. Katie, give us some good news, will you? There's not a lot of great news in the market to report, except if you're a buyer. It's a good time to be buying and to have cash. It's also a good time to go three for three. I feel it. This is going to be my day. What's the theme of your quiz today, Katie? It's a market update to see how much you're paying attention. I'm paying attention. So go ahead. Question number one. U.S. inflation in May reached the highest level in more than four decades. What was the inflation increase? Was it 7.6%, 8.3%, or 8.6%? 8.6% C, Katie. 
Oh, you are right. It was 8.6% up from 8.3% last month. So really driven by a lot of the supply chain issues, energy prices. That's why the market has been really volatile around these numbers. And Mitch Levy is one for one for the first time in his history. I'm ready for question number two. All right, number two. In June of 2021, oil was $68 a barrel. What is the cost today? Is it $100 a barrel? 120 or 140 $120 a barrel. That's right. That is right. That's what's really causing this inflation spike is that the cost of energy has just gone up so much over the last year. And Mitch Levy has a chance to go three for three as he predicted. I'm ready for question number three. This one could be an easy one. It's a true or false question. True or false, both stocks and bonds are down for 2022. Absolutely true, Katie. That is true. You went three for three. Yeah, so stocks are down 18% and bonds are down 11%. It's been a really ugly year where there's not a lot of places to hide. Essentially, the only area of the market that is up on the year is energy. That's why here at Evergreen, we think that active management makes a lot of sense. It used to be really easy to make money in the market for the last five or 10 years or so, where you just buy the index and it keeps going up. But now we think, you know, there's pockets of value. We think there's certain areas that make sense. So we think active management makes a lot of sense in this environment. And that's why it's a good time to check out everything that Evergreen is doing. Start with their website, evergreengk.com. We love Katie Versio, Director of Financial Planning at Evergreen Golf Call. Everything wealth. Unfiltered. NBA Draft, the Orlando Magic select Paolo Bancaro from Duke University. With the second pick in the 2022 NBA Draft, the Oklahoma City Thunder select Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga University. With the third pick in the 2022 Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jabari Smith Jr. from Auburn University. Well, it's not the NFL draft, that's for sure. But the NBA draft came and went with some interesting twists and turns, I think. Sam Ferris from the NBA Big Board podcast, part of the Locked On Pod series. He's also at Draft Dummies if you want to follow him on Twitter. Sam, welcome to Unfiltered. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. A Seattle boy goes number one. Despite Woj's reports, it almost seems like the biggest story of draft night was that Woj got it wrong. Well, that's that's funny you say that because I agree. I think the two biggest surprises were Paolo going number one, which they kind of broke a few minutes before the draft. And then the second thing you mentioned was a lot of these NBA newsbreakers getting a lot of the stuff wrong throughout the night, whether it was a At number two, it was initially reported that Jabari Smith was going to go, and then that was flipped to Chet. And then a couple of trades throughout the night where people were questioning what was actually going on. So kind of the two bigger surprises with Paolo going number one, and then some of those kind of trade-breaking miscues throughout the night. Have we figured out, Sam, what's the truth behind Orlando? Were they waffling? Were they trying to deceive? I don't understand what the deception would be all about. When you're the number one Unless you're trying to, unless you're trying to posture to trade it, 
Why would they be going out of their way to play games at number one? I don't get that. That's what I question as well, is what was the point of that? If they were going to take him all along? The only thing you said is maybe they trade down, but they never hinted at that. There were reports that they never even brought him in or even really talked to him much in the pre-draft. But then their GM later uh, clarified that they did, that he did comply with everything they asked. But it was weird because everybody had Jabari and maybe Chet all the weeks leading up to it. And a couple nights before, I tweeted something like, are we sure that Paolo's not going number one to Orlando? And I'm not saying I had an effect on this, but then the odds in Vegas really started to change. And so there was some noise there that we kind of saw in the days leading up to it. Mm. So did they make a mistake? I think they did. And and I'm I'm sitting in Seattle. I'm not more than probably eight miles from the O'Day High School campus, maybe 10 miles. I love the, the Boncaro story. I love that he's a local boy. But boy, when I watch Jabari Smith play, I can't imagine that Holmgren or Boncaro will be better NBA pros. I guess it matters where they go and what kind of system they're involved and surrounded with. But I love Jabari Smith's game. Oh, no, I, I'm right there with you. So the way I have my board personally set up is in tiers. So I have Chet and Jabari one and two in the same tier. And then I have Paulo Boncaro and Jade Ivey right below that. And so whatever way you wanted to go between Chet and Jabari for me was fine. I have Chet number one, but I'm not far behind there uh, with Jabari Smith. To me, the Houston Rockets getting Jabari Smith and then... Tari Eason later on, uh, we're one of the big winners on draft night. Mm. So you think Holmgren and Smith are both better prospects than Boncaro? I think they're all good prospects, but those two guys, I, I do have kind of a half tier ahead of Paulo. Why? It's kind of the full all around package. And the way I look at it when it's that close is, you know, the scalability, the portability, whatever you want to say, where the guy that I kind of comp Jabari Smith to is like a six foot 10 Clay Thompson, where when you talk about the best shooters at that size we've seen in the draft in recent history, it's Jabari Smith and it's Kevin Durant. He's that level of a shooter at that size, and he guards too. He can move his feet really, really well. And so I like that pick for the Rockets because it gives them a little bit more optionality in terms of roster and lineup decisions moving forward. Again, just because of the spacing he provides and the defensive versatility. So while I think they're really close as prospects, I think there's a chance that Paolo might be the better number one option over Jabari Smith, but just that optionality, that scalability that he provides, he's like the ultimate number two for me. And so I kind of value that a little bit more when looking at, you know, a potentially really good playoff team in his future. There seems to be skepticism in and around Chet Holmgren's future. You've said you love him. I think yeah. more people love him that don't. Those that don't, why? Is it just the body and the question of whether he's going to be able to get strong enough? I think it's that. And I think some people are a little bit thrown off by what we've seen kind of in the playoffs in recent history, where they look at a guy that tall and long and think, is he going to get played off the floor in the playoffs like a Rudy Gobert? And frankly, I just don't think that's the case. I think he's more versatile. I think he's going to be an all defensive guy, probably from like year two. And just his intangibles, too, on top of that, make no mistake looking at his frame. He is one of the toughest dudes there is, just a killer. He's dominated at every level, continues to prove people wrong. And I think what we've seen from him is 
we saw his star potential off the bounce as a shot creator in high school. And then at Gonzaga, we saw him play his role just super effectively on a really good team. So I think we're going to be able to see both of that from him, where he can fit in, play his role on a great team, be a great defender, floor spacer, move off the ball. But I do think there is that star upside that a little bit, some people are discounting in my opinion. The story of the draft going in were the big three. And then Mm -hmm. there seemed to be a drop off to number four. I like Jaden Ivey. I thought he was great in college. Some are comparing him to Ja. I think that's pretty hefty. Why didn't the Kings take Ivey at four? Did they make a mistake with Keegan Murray? And what about Ivey and Cade in the backcourt in Detroit? Yeah, so for me, not only did the Pistons win draft night, I think they won it easily because I've I've talked about this. I view this not as just a three-person draft. I think it's a four-person draft with Jaden Ivey. Mm-hmm. And the fifth best prospect in this class, in my opinion, is Jalen Duran, who they traded for at 13. And what the Pistons needed was an infusion of athleticism and burst alongside Cade Cunningham and Sadiq Bey. And they got exactly that in Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran, just spiced it up with more athleticism. And Jaden Ivey is the perfect pack court mate next to Cade. And to me, they're going to be one of the most fun teams to watch in the NBA next season. Who failed? If Detroit was the winner, who was the failure? So the Kings were the failure, in my opinion. And uh, they're the Kings. What do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> expect the anything Kings. more? They're the Kings, for God's sakes. Look, I, I do like Keegan Murray as a prospect. It's funny because coming into last season, I was higher than most everybody on Keegan Murray. I saw him as a potential first-round pick. He wasn't really being talked about like that. And then last season at Iowa, he was fantastic. But I just don't see the star upside. He's already going to be 22 when he starts his first game in the NBA. And there's no one skill I can really point to and say, this is how he becomes a star. I liked him more as like a late lottery pick, but taking him at four was just too much for me. And then uh, one other loser I'll throw out. I don't think anyone else just totally failed in this draft, but the Cavs taking Ochai Agbaji at 14 to me, it wasn't awful. It was just really boring. I thought there were better options on the board. Is this a good class? Uh, It's not really compared to what we're going to see next year, especially it's going to be a great class. And then last year's class was better too. For example, to put it in perspective, I really like Chet. I really like Jabari and Paolo as well, but... Looking at last year's class, I think you'd have to take all of Cade. I would take Jalen Green. I'd take Evan Mobley above all of these guys in this class. Mm. You say next year's going to be a great year, a great draft? Preview it for us, Sam. The top two guys, in my opinion, the first guy is a French player that's seven foot four, might be seven foot five, Victor Wimbanyama. He is basically. You know, if you created a guy on NBA 2K on the Xbox, made him 6'7", dialed all his attributes up like a KD, and then just made him 7'5". That, we're talking about, like, one of the best prospects since LeBron in the draft. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's that level of player. He's, like, 18 as well still. Really, really young. Wow. 7'5", developing. Like, he could be Rudy Gobert defensively and KD offensively. Does he reach that? Like, probably not because so few guys ever do, right? But he is that level of prospect right now. And then the number two guy in that class, he played for the G League Ignite last year. I had a chance to interview 
the G League Ignite head coach, Jason Harp. This guy's name is Scoot Henderson. He is a guard kind of in the Derrick Rose mold. He did not play his senior year in high school, but instead played at that age for the G League Ignite against other G League players, against pros, and was really, really good. Jason Hart said to me that he was the most impressive player he'd seen at that age since Kobe Bryant. He's that level of prospect, kind of in the Derrick Rose mold, very athletic point guard with size. Yeah. And so there are multiple guys that would have gone number one this year as well. Uh, It's going to be a really, really strong class. While you mention the G League, before we finish up, what is the editorial on the G League? How's it going? Only a couple guys, right, in this last draft? I know Dyson Daniels. I know a lot of people love Dyson Daniels. I know a lot of people love Dyson Daniels' mom. She's a big star now after draft night. (laughs) Um, Is there a verdict in on the G League yet, or is it too soon? I guess it's too soon, but this year you'd kind of have to say they took a bit of an L because – Dyson Daniels did move up. His stock did go up playing in the G League. But Jaden Hardy ended up going mid-second round to the Mavericks. He was a projected top five guy coming into the season and playing in the G League just super inefficient, and it really hurt his stock. And the thing with the G League, kind of like the main benefit before, was getting the pro experience and getting the money. But now with the NIL stuff going on in college, Uh, that main benefit is a little bit canceled out. And so I'm really interested to see where the Ignite go from here. That's the voice of Sam Ferris, the NBA Big Board Podcast. He's a close follower of the NBA draft as it uh, came and went last week. The number one pick. Here's a trivia question that you can stump all your buddies with, Sam. The only high school in all of America that features a number one pick in the draft and a master's champion. (laughs) O'Day High School, Paolo, Bancaro, and Freddie Couples both went to the same high school in Seattle. No one's going to get that right, Sam. I promise you, no one. That's a good one. I'm going to use that. Uh, Sam Ferris, thank you very much, Sam. Great to have you on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, it's time for a visit from Jordan Flowers, who leads the cross-country mortgage team in Kirkland. How are you, Jay Flo? Hey, Mitch. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. It's been a while. Yes, Good to be back. Has. It's nice to have you back. With numbers skyrocketing, how can Jay Flo and his great Kirkland team help Mitch Unfiltered listeners these days? Yeah, it's a great question and one we're getting from clients also. Rates have been going up pretty sharply over the last couple of months, but we have started to see it level out. Rates actually kind of tick back down slightly. It is a great time for buyers to be buying. Even with the higher interest rates, it's actually providing a bit of an opportunity for buyers to not get into quite as many multiple offer competitive situations and wonderful time to be buying and getting that house you want and not getting in such competition and then just take care of it with the refinance with rates when they come back down. Jordan, tell me a little bit about buying rental properties and other unique programs that you guys offer at Cross Country Mortgage. Yeah, we are actually doing a lot with investment buyers right now, one to four unit properties. But we do also have a unique service coverage ratio program that allows you to not provide any income qualifying documents. We qualify off of the income the property itself produces. So we're just evaluating the collateral piece and if it's going to be a good investment for you. So Jordan, even with the numbers a little higher these days, you're still helping refinance clients pull cash out for 
various reasons. Yeah, yeah. Those rate term refinances that were just clogging up the system a year ago have mostly subsided here, but we are helping a lot of clients with cash out refinances, equity refinances to pay off higher interest rate debt, as well as pull that cash to buy that second home or investment property that they want to do and put that money they've earned in their house to work on more real estate and helping people build more wealth. So how do I reach you? If a Mitch Unfiltered listener has questions about what they just heard, where do we find Jordan Flowers? Yeah, same bat line, same bat channel, 425-890-2957. There you go, Jordan Flowers in Cross Country Mortgage, the Kirkland office. He's been an incredible partner. Mitch Unfiltered would not be possible without guys like Jordan Flowers. Unfiltered. Episode 196, the other stuff segment. Would you like to go first? Sure. We've talked about Shaquille O'Neal's generosity in the past yes, and his we have. inability to not tell the world about it after he does it. <laughs> but he's generous nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. He was hired to DJ a club in Buffalo. I guess oh. he's a DJ as well. Okay. $50,000 fee to have Shaquille DJ your club. I don't know how they made that back that night. It's a lot of drinks. But he's since donated that money, his 50 grand, to the family of one of the shooting victims. He's a really nice guy. So good for him. Yeah. And singer. He's generous. He's very generous. And I don't care if he tells the world because I ain't donating 50 ge- G's to generous. anyone. He's yeah, very he's generous. And on top of that, singer Lizzo, who you sort of know, I, we've talked Kinda, about her. sort of, yeah. So she revealed she's donating half a million dollars of her upcoming tour money to Planned Parenthood and Live Nation is going to match that donation. So a million dollars and half of it coming from Lizzo. So people doing nice stuff. Two quarterback tidbits from me on the other stuff segment. Okay. We're back to Baker Mayfield, according to CBS Sports's. I saw that. I'm hoping you're going to bring that up. I don't know how you say her name. Hosina, Josina, Anderson. The Seahawks still have a, quote, high level of interest in possibly acquiring Baker Mayfield and are open to discussing an extension with him. Wow. Which is kind of interesting if they could get him. So Pete Carroll and John Schneider keep saying, no, no, no. Geno Smith, Drew Locke, we're we're good. They're like car salesmen. (laughs) They are. I mean, Pete Pete would be the greatest car salesman of all time. Gosh. Wait, tell me why the extension's interesting. You said that, but that's kind of interesting if they offered him an extension. Well, because I always thought, all right, if you can get Baker Mayfield here Mm -hmm. because the Browns cut him. Yep. And he's got one year left on his contract. They cut him. You bring him here. Or you do a deal with him where they take on most of his contract for the last year that it's kind of a stopgap measure because you feel like you have a pretty good team other than the quarterback position. I don't know if they do, they don't. They feel like they've they've surrounded the quarterback position pretty well. And so it's like a stopgap measure for a year and then you go in the draft next year and and or in free oh, agency okay. and you get your new quarterback. I always I I, n- I never really envisioned Baker May- Mayfield as like the five-year starter for the right. Seattle committing Seahawks. to him like that. Right, I right, see what right. you're saying. Okay. Right. So, I don't know about the extension I kind of would like to see it. I'm just going to keep saying it. Of course, it. it'd be awesome over Drew Locke, Geno Smith. I'll take Baker. All By the way, the Seahawks have had a lot of guys with chips on their shoulder work out for them. Talk about this guy having a chip on his shoulder, getting better dealed like you did Yes, with the Deshaun. And <laughs> yes. isn't Deshaun, maybe you're going to say this next, isn't Deshaun going to be suspended? He is. There's That's a question incredible. About, what, there's, what are the there, Browns doing? There's a question about how long he's going to be suspended. That's the big there's like that's being negotiated behind closed doors right now. And I would just say to the people that say, well, hold on. Pete Carroll has told us that he's fine with both Gino and Drew Locke. I would also tell you that Pete Carroll, just a few days before Russell Wilson was traded, 
told the world, we're not trading. Yeah. We're not in the market to trade Russell Wilson. And then he was traded. Right. So now the, the, the tale of another quarterback, you know the name Arch Manning? Saw that, yeah. You see who won the Arch Manning sweepstakes? Yeah, what's the connection with Texas? Did he just like it the best, he maybe? He must and... like Steve Sarkeesian. Sark. Oh, boy, what a... That guy just keeps falling upwards, Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, he gets the greatest player maybe in the history of college football to come to his school. So Unreal. It's, this is Peyton and Eli Manning's nephew, Arch Correct. Manning. He's uh, Cooper Manning's son, yep. the oldest son's son. His grandfather, Archie, who he's named after, was a star at Mississippi. Yep. His uncle, Peyton, was a star at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. His uncle Eli was a star at Mississippi. Yeah. He's going to Texas. I know. I, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, Everybody was like, he's either going to go to Mississippi or Tennessee, and he's, he's going to Texas. By the way, congrats to Ole Miss, the national baseball champions of 2022. They won the World Series as but we they record didn't, this. But they would rather Arch Manning. Yeah, for all oh, for sure. They would trade that in all day to yeah. get Arch Manning. Yeah. It was weird. They, they said Arch Manning didn't have social media. No. I think now he has an Instagram, which is where he announced it. It was six, yeah. six words. No, he had no social media and wasn't taking offers from colleges. Do not write. Do not call. Do not bother me. I mean, what a position in life this kid's in, right? Yeah. What a position. I mean, how many kids out there are begging for schools to notice them? He just says, I'm not taking anything. Don't bother. He's don't a li- write. He's low don't key. call. Yeah, no he's social media. Yeah. I just I like hope that. he's going to be able to find a date on campus. I think he'll do okay. You think he's going to be able to yeah, I think he's be social right. yeah. and someone will be attracted to him? Yeah, okay, yeah. well, good for Hope him. so. Good luck, kid. Good luck. I mean, maybe Texas could offer him the most money. I mean, we got to factor that in now, right? As far as the... Maybe he's not interested. Yeah. yeah maybe, maybe his family is well off enough that he's not making it a financial decision. Maybe oh. he's not going to sign any name, image, and likeness deals at Texas. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> good, good for good him. Good for Sark. <laughs> Sark got him. He sure did. He's a quarterback whisperer, that Sark. Oh, my god! He got him. He got him. All right. You see the Burger King employee who celebrated 27 years on the job without taking one day off? No. Well, he felt kind of, he felt like he got kind of a mediocre goodie bag from the company, and yet he's still expressing incredible gratitude. This guy, Kevin Ford, he works as a cook and cashier at Burger King. This video went viral. He was showing everyone the bag of stuff that he got 27 years at Burger King. He goes, it looks like a bunch of stuff that was laying around the office at headquarters. He got a free little piece of chocolate cake too. 27 years he gave to this company. And it was just, so anyway, the video went viral. People loved it. And then of course, a GoFundMe started and he noticed a $5,000 donation from a guy named David Spade. He's like, oh, I wonder if it's the David Spade. So he checked his Instagram and it was David Spade messaged him nice and said, yeah, he just said, uh, you know, keep keep going. Good job. And, and Kevin said something to him like, well, maybe now I can take a day off because I got the five grand. And of course, David wrote back, wait till year 30, <laughs> which made me laugh for some reason. But anyway, the GoFundMe's up to 30 grand. So good for Kevin Ford. Twenty seven well, years. Well, I have a fast food story, a fast food restaurant story that's not as good natured and feel good as yours oh boy should i do it now or wait later an employee at a fast food restaurant in oklahoma was arrested after a bag of drugs was found in a customer's order bryce francis was detained by the skiatook police department after a customer found a bag of what officers later identified as meth in the food order the police announced yesterday Uh, Police said the incident happened on Monday, June 20th. An individual made an order at the restaurant, and when they received their order, they found a small baggie of drugs inside their bag. Officers learned that a baggie had a crystalline substance uh, inside of it that later tested positive for 
Some long word. That has meth in it? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. A long word. Right. Francis was subsequently arrested and charged with distribution of a controlled substance within 2,000 feet of school oh. and possession of a controlled substance. That's a lot more charges now. Shia took police encouraged residents to check their food, especially before consuming it uh, or handing it to a child when they go out to eat. It's probably good advice, actually. But yeah. I, there's been stories about drug dealers getting jobs at drive throughs and then just using it as their yeah just dealing out of the drive-thru yeah which there's cameras everywhere now but i, yeah. I bet at one point that was a pretty Work. good racket <laughs> yeah sure i bet it was <laughs> all right you see that vince carter had a pretty rough father's day no i did not see this you remember vince sanity sure so his home was burglarized while his wife and two kids were inside of it actually it must be an enormous house um, according to Atlanta police, suspects broke in around 11.50 p.m. on June 19th while his wife, Sandy, and her two sons were lying in bed. According to the report, she was so scared by the loud noises that had come from the front of her home, she took the two boys, hid in a closet, and called 911. The first person to show was an undercover cop, and he sees somebody running out of the house with a big paper bag. Well, the paper right. bag had $100,000 cash in it. Really? Against Vince Carter just keeps it in his closet for some reason. Hundred grand in the I house. think he's still playing. <laughs> he might be. He was like playing in not too long ago. He was playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he played in four decades, right? Yeah, was yeah. It? something like that. The cops say that they found sixteen thousand dollars scattered on the lawn by the really? gate because when the guy jumped over, a bunch of it fell out. Sixteen grand just laying in your yard, and the but they they're still looking for him, and nobody has any tips as to who broke in. Bryce Harper won over a lot of fans over the weekend. Hot shot, Scott. Did you see what happened to Bryce Harper? I saw he took one on the thumb. Uh, by Blake Snell, a local, uh, right. a local guy. No, 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 no. Like, um, are we talking down south, Tacoma? Like, like Shorewood High School. There you go. Yes, or that's right. Like that. Yep, yep. Yeah, North Seattle-ish. Yep. Blake Snell, I think former Cy Young Award winner Blake Snell. You are correct. That's right. He hit Bryce Harper in the thumb with a 97 mile an hour fastball that yeah. pretty much ended ended Bryce Harper's season. Rough, bad break, and yet. He was seen in the midst of his agony, Bryce Harper was, yelling to Bryce, sorry, yelling to Blake Snell, don't worry about it. Um, I know you didn't do it on purpose or I something I know like you that. didn't yeah. do it on purpose, something like that. Yeah. And then he was quoted after the, after the game as saying, it wasn't heated at all. It was just a moment in a crappy situation. I've been playing against Blake since we were 10, 11 years old. Oh, wow. I know there was no ill will behind it. The inside pitch is part of the game. He's a great player, a great human being. I wish him all the best, and I even told him to keep throwing that inside fastball because it sets up that slider really good. Wow. I used to think that that Bryce Harper wasn't a very likable guy. Yeah, same with me. I, I don't know him, but I just thought that for Starting some reason. Starting to win me over. I love that. <laughs> what does he make a year, Bryce Harper? Doing oh. okay for himself? <laughs> Come on. So now he gets to rehab. $5 million a year? Now he gets to sit home and years? rehab a thumb for that kind of money? Oh, wow. my gosh. Good for him. Jealous. Gets to do nothing. How's your thumb? Well, still broken. Kind of a classy moment, yeah. a classy gesture from him. I like it. No doubt, it. no doubt. I like it. All right, I think a lot of us can relate to this, especially now that it's summer and vacation season. A vacationer at a hotel in Tenerife caught the ongoing towel wars at the pool. Towel wars. Towel wars. This is not snapping them at each other. Okay. So there's a sign. At, there's a sign at the hotel that says guests are not allowed to reserve lawn chairs before 10 a.m. Oh. Now, have you ever been part of this? My, my wife and I, when we go to Maui or Hawaii, she goes down at 7 a.m. and throws like four towels out for the because you want a chair by the pool, right? Yeah, right. Okay, well, this hotel's saying, we don't do that. 
No, no, no. You don't get to save chairs. So somebody filmed it. Somebody filmed the employees walking by and just taking their towels. One guy had 10 towels over his shoulder. And then she was filming people coming back. Going, oh, where's my towel? What happened here? So this is ongoing towel wars. And I'm, I'm curious to see if anyone else is going to start doing this because that's just how the game is played. If, if you don't get down there by like 7 a.m. at a lot of pools and, and who resorts, wants to get down there by 7 a.m.? Well, Who's it, going to sleep? It, it's early enough to get up at 7 a.m. Hawaii's fine because you're three hours ahead. It's like, you know, you're, yeah. you're always up early. Yeah. But yeah, who wants to get up early? But if you don't, you're, you have nowhere to sit for the day. And it's nice to have four chairs by the pool. So you have to do it. I've always thought it was weird. You're going to go hog four chairs like we do. And, and you're going to put like magazines and things. Right. And you're, right? Not, you're not even going to be there for the next four hours. You're not going to come down to like 11 or so. So I've always thought it was kind of hoggy and weird. But it is. it's how the game so, is played. It's the way the game is played. That's the way the game is played. Yeah. Mm. So we'll see if anyone else starts doing this at their resorts. I don't have much more from the world of the entertainment business. Kendall Jenner and Devin Booker have called it Splitsville. Oh, I thought those kids were going to make it. Do you know who Devin Booker is? I don't know who Kendall Jenner is, but I know Devin Booker. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard of him, yes. He plays basketball, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's on the Phoenix Suns. Pretty good player. I guess Kendall Jenner and Devin Booker are not seeing each other. I didn't even know that they were seeing each other. Grace and Frankie star Martin Sheen, ever heard of him? Yes. Reflecting on his changing of his name many, many years ago, has regrets. What, what, he was Estevez? He was Estevez. Right, okay. He was Ramon Estevez. And Sheen has said in an up-close uh, up interview this week, the 81 actor revealed that he regrets every day huh. that he changed his name to Martin Sheen. Well, I mean, that his driver's license still says Ramon Estevez, his birth certificate, his passport, his driver's license. He wished he had never changed his name for Hollywood standards. So, But again, talk about how the game was played. I mean, that's kind of what you But his son had to didn't do. change the name, right? One of the sons goes by Estevez. Emilio goes by Estevez. Emilio Estevez. But he wasn't trying to act in the 50s. It's a little different in the 80s, right? A little more accepting. But what about, uh, what's the other son's Charlie name? Sheen. Charlie Sheen. He wasn't, trying to, he wasn't trying to act in the 50s, and he changed his name. He sure did. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have done it. I got it. a newfound respect for Bryce Harper and Emilio Estevez. <laughs> Good for you. I'm a big a, Emilio Estevez kind of a fan let's, now. Let's get Emilio on the show. I wonder what he's up to these days. I remember your old friend Kenny Byersdorf really fighting with the uh, the notion of changing his name. You remember Kenny Byersdorf? Do you know Kenny B? Do I remember Kenny Byersdorf? Yes. yes. I, I do talk to Kenny often. Oh, you do? Yeah. I remember when he first came to KJR and he was considering changing shortening his name he was doing updates yeah it's not a good last name Byersdorf. i don't know if it is doesn't roll off the tongue (laughs) yeah so we were talking about i remember i remember like it was yesterday kenny byersdorf yeah going through some real emotional trauma and and stress over whether he should change his name i think he kind of he went by kenny Kenny b B. right kenny b so he did he He fell in he fell in he's like a 90s uh hip-hop singer now so when you ask me do i have more respect for emilio estevez or kenny b you know the answer. I like Emilio a lot more than Kenny B. <laughs> Sarah's his wife, right? Yeah. Oh, sure. Sarah B. Sarah. <laughs> Sarah B. Sarah B's a basketball coach. She coaches her I'm daughter sure now. She is. Yeah. Who's Benny Kabelski? You know that name? Benny, Benny Kabelski? Did he change his name? He sure did. To Jack Benny. Oh. Yeah. Kubelski. Yeah. K U. Yeah. I didn't think. I was thinking something. Kabelski. I think. Yeah, it, I think it's. Yeah. So a lot yeah. of people have done it. I just oh. heard about Jack Benny. I didn't know that he changed his name. Jacob from- Cohen. Jacob Cohen. Oh, Danger- I think Rodney Dangerfield is Jacob Cohen. Oh, really? Yeah. I yeah. think so. I'm, I might be making that up, though. Yeah, so sometimes Jewish stars and yes. Jewish musicians. Oh, do yeah, it. back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mitch Levy wouldn't have fly. Not the- <laughs> Mitch <laughs> L. Luckily, no one was looking for you to act in movies. Mitchell Reed. It worked out for you. All right, this was 
This was really horrifying. An artistic swimmer, and I'm not sure I know what that is, nearly lost her life after passing out in the pool following an intense routine at a Uh major event Wednesday. But thankfully, her coach quickly dove into the water and rescued her. There's actually pictures. They're horrifying. She's just limp under the water, and you see her coach coming right at her, grabbed her, pulled her up, and she's... She's just fine. She's okay. going to be just fine. What happened? Do we know what happened? They don't know what happened, but like they said, it was an intense routine. She just passed out. Oh, I don't know, God. but the, the pictures were pretty horrifying. But anyway, good for Andrea Fuentes for rescuing her student. I was sad to hear about Tony Siragusa. Yeah, I got that on one of my the Goose. RIPs. RIP, 55 years old. Do we know what happened? I know he was overweight, obviously, if you know Tony Siragusa. Yeah. You know that, cause of death hasn't been revealed at the uh, time of this recording. And this happened like the day after a current Baltimore Ravens player named Jalen Ferguson, 26. a linebacker, died at age. So the, the Ravens lost a current linebacker and Tony Siragusa yeah. from their Super Bowl glory days. Like on back-to-back days or the same day, right? Rough, rough for the Ravens. Oh, yeah. That's awful. Yeah, I mean, Syracuse, Syracuse did talk about losing his dad when, when he was a tw- he was 21 years old. His dad, I think, was 48. His dad died of a massive heart attack. Huh. And I think he and his brother might have been there. But anyway, so yeah, so that, I guess that kind of runs on the family. Maybe the, carrying around 350 for 35 years. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I'm guessing that's probably no, no. not good for the body. So Sorry, yeah, that, that was a rough one. Yeah. He was cool. I mean, I... I feel like he was always around. Like, I would see him at Lumen Field for the Fox games all the time in the yeah, end zone. he was on zone. the sidelines. He was kind of a a hybrid sideline reporter and game analyst. Yeah. He wasn't like your typical sideline reporter. He wasn't Aaron Andrews. No, but he was on the sideline. Right. He was doing his spiel from the sideline yeah. while there were two guys up in the booth. It was kind of an unorthodox situation. He was pretty good at it. He always seemed funny and likable. He he was very funny. Yeah. I I guess it ended. I guess he hasn't done it in a lot of years, but I was sorry to hear about his passing. That's for sure. 55. That's not an age that I want to hear about people passing. I know. It's, yeah, that's rough. And then rest in peace. I know somebody who's 55. I see him in the mirror every morning. Rest in peace to Rupert Murdoch and Jerry Hall's marriage. Oh, jeez. I, I didn't see that. They're, they're, the they two are, of them. Those kids are getting a divorce. Boy, I thought they were going to make it forever. The 91-year-old Australian media tycoon has six children from his previous marriages, but he and Jerry did not have any kids. Now, who did Jerry famously date for a lot of years? Mick Jerry? Jagger. There you go. Look at you. Yeah, this is Rupert's fourth divorce. How he still has money, I'll never know. He must have great lawyers with these prenups, but it's Jerry's first, although, like I said, she dated Mick for 22 years and yeah. actually had four kids with him. So rest in peace to their marriage. Okay. All right, that's Headlines? it. I got a few here. A family encountered an enormous boa constrictor slithering around their backyard. Not to worry, the police corralled the slimy serpent, and the family now has a restraining order against Rudy Giuliani. You could have gone a lot of different directions. You went Rudy Giuliani. He's slimy, isn't he? I don't know. He's a serpent. You could have gone with the car dealership guys. (laughs) You just, I mean, there's so many people that you could have gone. All right, Mickelson. I mean, mean, you you went Rudolph Giuliani. There's a lot of talk about people asking for pardons these days, and so his name sort of has. Remember when Rudy Giuliani was like a hero? America's mayor. Yeah. I mean, he might have been able to run for president at one point, and he came in and cleaned up. Didn't he clean up New York City and Times Square and all that? Like getting rid of like the sex shows and all that stuff. I, I mean, once rode an elevator with him. You did? Yeah. Did you ever see what happened with him in the new Borat movie? You ever see that clip? No. Oh, it's rough. 
It's rough. Yeah, I don't know what's happened to Rudy Giuliani. Anyway, okay. a 661-pound stingray caught in Cambodia yes. dubbed the world's largest freshwater fish encountered by researchers. That's amazing, said the people of Cambodia, but can someone check on the food that was supposed to be coming our way? I don't know if they're really into world records. Convicted sex offender Ghislaine Jesus. Maxwell has been placed on suicide watch ahead of her sentencing. Officials have confirmed that... This the- is Jeffrey Epstein's... Right-hand woman. Yes. yes. Uh, officials have confirmed that the camera in her cell will malfunction and she'll be murdered Wednesday. 14 nurses who work in the NICU at St. Luke's East Hospital in Kansas City are pregnant at the same time. Huh? 14 nurses who work together in the same unit are pregnant at the same time. No explanation given as to why the only male nurse in that department is now on unpaid leave. <laughs> And finally, Fucker! <laughs> scientists have discovered the world's largest bacterium uh, in a Car- Caribbean mangrove swamp. The world's largest bacterium. Yeah, most of the time bacteria, is, you have to use a microscope. Yeah. You don't have to with this. No? You can actually see it. See it. It's disgusting, yes. Bacterium, just kind of like worms just floating around. Yeah. See, this is what happens when you don't wash your mangrove. I've been telling you guys for years. See, I shouldn't have talked in the middle. It's called a mangrove. Okay. Anyway, can we not poke the bear on new bacterium, by the way? Just a side note. Fresh off a pandemic, do we need... Are we fresh off a pandemic or are we still in the middle of a pandemic? My son is listening to this whole podcast from his room. It's an unknown bacteria. Can we just leave it? Now, I know most of the time bacteria is good, right? They say it's most of it. Maybe just kind of stand down a little bit from this one. I mean, what if this new bacterium that's big just kicks off another pandemic? Stop, everybody. Enough already. Leave it alone. It's pretty gross when you look at it. They had it up to like a penny or a dime, and you can like see little white lines. Yeah, I know. Gross. Yeah, very. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, we don't... Although, maybe it could be the cure for COVID, so I don't know. Now I'm torn. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? All right. Uh, District 9. Yes, sir. Softball Little League. Majors, yes. The very first step towards... The Little League World Series in North Carolina. That would be nice, yes. By this time next week, yes. District 9's tournament will be over. Correct. And they will be perhaps crown champions. Perhaps crown champions of District 9. And then they go to the state. That is correct. Okay. That would be down in Federal Way. Which go Piper. You can come join us yeah. down at the state yeah. tournament. I'll be right there. That will happen, yes. I'll be right there. Yes. Uh, go Issaquah. Go Piper, go Issaquah. Episode 196 is in the books.